Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode two of the Blockchain Bay podcast. My name is Chris and I'm co-hosting with Network Bits. And today we would like to showcase our interview with Travis, who is a big member in the Helium community. He gave his insights on everything that has happened. And we talked briefly about the perfect storm that was Helium and how it all played out. We hope you enjoy. We have Travis, the man joining us. Travis, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. So you want to start off with your background? Because we have a lot of viewers here who haven't seen you before. And like, like I said, if we get into anything that you're not comfortable talking about, if it's something you can't disclose, just let me know. We'll shake it off and go from there. Yeah. Uh, hey, my name is Travis. Um, I live down in uh, Texas, uh, just north of Houston. And uh, I run and have run for, I guess, a number of years now, the, um, the Hackster Houston uh, Meetup which uh, is just a group of hardware hackers. Uh, we get together um, on a bi-weekly basis and um, hack on hardware. And um, nice. got into LoRaWAN a number of years back and that kind of carried me into my own kind of LLC firm and then over to uh, Helium eventually and then to Nova. And now I'm still still in the LoRaWAN game, just kind of looking around at uh, what, what looks like int uh, interesting things right now, so. Excellent. And for those of you who didn't catch it, so Travis did work for Helium. So he has a lot of experience and insight in this topic. Chris, you might as well yes. give a background on yourself. Uh, Real quick, Travis, um, <laughs> can you get me the link to your hack pages so I can post them both in the comments? And once this video goes up, I'll post them in the description. I want you to, you know, yeah, get, sure, get some views. Yeah. Background for me, I, I started out in crypto in like 2017, uh, mining Zcash and Ethereum. And I thought Ethereum sucked because every time I, I mined it, the price went down, yada, yada. Anyway, uh, I've been in the space for quite some time, but I didn't get into everything until probably um, January of 2020, maybe a little bit uh, later. I started watching Red Panda mining videos. Shout out to him. Um, and Voscoin videos again, which I started watching back in 2017. So it was nice to see them uh, making content and uh, it got me into GPUs and then I found Helium and then I met everybody in the community now and uh, hoping to just continue growing here. Yeah. And so, right now I'm, I'm making Joe's logos for him. <laughs> yeah, Chris has a YouTube channel, Chris Bagnell. Be sure to subscribe to it if you haven't already. And of course, although you many of you probably heard it a thousand times already, I'm Joe. I host the Network Bits channel. My background is Cisco network engineer, infrastructure, and information technology. I got into crypto in 2017, 2018, when all that was it was a bull market back then, and died off. And I didn't really continue to pursue it over those coming years. But right around when Wall Street bets was happening is when I started to get back into it. And I knew after the halving, it typically kicks off. So I was like, all right, I'm going uh, head first. Got into trading, was looking for something of mine, trying to figure out something where I didn't need a GPU, didn't need, you know, um, ASICs, FPGAs, the crazy hardware. And I found Helium. And I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. I know what IoT is. We hear about it. I, at least on a monthly basis, if not a weekly basis at work. So I was looking at all sorts of YouTube content and just thought, 
none of this is really given the good technical detail that's needed for people to understand. So jumped into YouTube, mostly covered helium, broadened out to other types of crypto projects. And here we are. And I, I enjoy what we do here on YouTube. We have an outstanding community. Um, I've made a lot of friends. I've gotten to experience a lot of things firsthand, and we've learned a lot. That's the most important thing. And I always try to bring what I learn just front and center and give it to you guys for free. I don't have courses to offer you. I really don't use affiliate links. So um, I just appreciate when you guys share the content that I make to get it out to everyone. That's the best thing that you can do to say thank you. All right, I'm going to post Travis uh, website link and pin it in the comments. If you guys want to check it out, I would greatly appreciate that. So where do you guys want to start? I'll let Travis, if you want to pick, you're the special guest of the hour. Thanks for showing up randomly and no, thanks for having me, man. Um, it's um, yeah. It, it, as far as that site, it's it, it's kind of it's not developed really at all. It's a uh, it's a site that we use to share uh, documents. Everything's been paid for, so please don't like reshare that or you know put it out mm -hmm. on on the net. But if you want to use it like a lending library, there's a lot of good books on there that um, I, I kind of treat it like a bookshelf. You're more than welcome to borrow them off my bookshelf. Just you know. Put it back in order. Yeah. Cool. Appreciated. Um, as far as things to talk about, man, I don't know. We've been working on what, what's been, I mean, we've had the holidays recently. Um, I've been playing around with chirp stack a little bit um, of late and playing around with, you know, boxes that, you know, build, you know, these like Pelican boxes and stuff. I've uh, been working with those and um, trying to get uh, those in good shape uh, where I can throw them in the back of the truck and, and uh, get out and uh, put up a Lorwin network. So, um, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm down to talk about uh, really any, anything the uh, the callers want to talk about. So awesome, and we will do some call-ins later on in the stream. If you guys are interested? Certainly, we'll probably keep these ones to five ten minutes, depending on the discussion. I'm I'm not, not expecting a lot of callers because we typically don't have a whole lot of people watching, but we want to make it through the content and keep the things churning. So, Chris, is there a topic you'd like to pick when it comes to lessons learned with crypto? Otherwise, I'll lead it off. I'll let you take it away. All right. A lot of the same ideas. And I'll start it with what I would tell most of my family and friends who aren't into crypto that we maybe would talk about it over the dinner table or we're just general discussion. They know that I'm, you know, waist deep, chest deep in crypto and they might see it as kind of crazy. And I say, well, and they think a lot of it's a scam or a Ponzi. I tell them, look, I think that about 95% of the projects are scams, are not really worth their time, not worth the value that you see the tokens going for on the exchanges. And maybe the ones that aren't a scam, maybe there's a lot of good ideas out there you have to consider. Is there actually market demand for that product are they actually solving a problem that, you know, it needs to be solved or are they looking, they're a solution in search of a problem is one of the best ways to describe it. Um, that, is, that is what I really start off with. And that's why I'm very selective about the type of content that I make on here. And 
I do tend to think that there are some projects out there that they are, even though they have like a company behind them that's been in business for many years, a lot of these companies see the crypto craze and say, well, how about we apply a cryptocurrency to us to garner more attention and then we'll sell our hardware and figure out something with tokens and whether it works or not, we're still selling more hardware. And if it fails, it's just another failed project. Who cares? There are people out there who do that. And that's one of the things I look for. So when I'm trying to search for a cryptocurrency project, I'm going through all this analysis thinking, is this a scam? Is this legit? I don't really put a whole lot of weight into the fact that just that company's been been around for years um thoughts um i I gotta say the companies i look at now are companies that are driving utility tokens or or something that actually does something besides um allow people to to mine and to, to to make money or tokens off of the fact that they're involved in the project that that this actually reaches out to a wider you know aspect of people who actually, you know, get something out of the project, even if they're not directly involved in the mining aspect or in in the building of the project. So, yeah, I like that. Now, what, what Travis? What's your thoughts on the term tippins, token incentivized public infrastructure networks? Uh, to be straight up, I don't know enough about it to really speak definitively on it. Um, I, I know Sierra has, um, you know, a show that she's working on now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've seen and, that. Okay, in conjunction with, with some other folks in the industry. And um, it, it's interesting. It's something I'm learning about, but it's not something I can speak on. So. Yeah, I like, I like the idea of, really, I, I like anything networking. I mean, I like blockchain. I think it's a phenomenal solution. It's certainly interesting. And solves solves an issue, or not? An issue, but it's a solution to a problem, right? You need a distributed ledger, something that's decentralized and cannot be easily manipulated or, you know, coerced. Yeah. So that's enter Bitcoin. Now, blockchain technology has existed back to the '90s, but it's evolved as any other technology, and that's where Bitcoin came about they've uh taken numerous concepts from different technologies and combined it into one and now we have the the resilient leader in the cryptocurrency space known as bitcoin but when we say tippins token incentivized public infrastructure networks that is something that allows the general person to use that solution that product for connectivity or to solve some sort of issue or possibly host some sort of service. So tippins that we think of, first one comes to mind is Helium, right? Uh, we have other ones, Pollen Mobile, uh, Xnet, one that maybe you guys aren't as familiar with, it's still in the infancy, but Foam, foam.space is their website. Disclaimer, I did some consulting for them, but I think it is certainly, that one is awesome. Very uh, sophisticated group, a solution that I think is needed. Um, you have other stuff that maybe is more overlapping with Web3, right? So Flux, Flux Labs, run on Flux.io is their website, I believe. So trying to rival what Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud is doing, where you can host the 
load for the website that you want to run or some sort of service that you got going on. You can host a game server if you'd want. Um, and other similar projects, threefold. Uh, there was a few other ones that I, I can't think of off, off the top of my head there. But ones that maybe just do simple services like storage, like Chia. Um, Prime. Yeah, C Prime is another good storage one. Storage, the storage network. Um, and then you have other data-based ones that are more data collect collection or data streaming. So you have Streamer, S-T-E, sorry, yeah. S-T-R-E-A-M-R. You have uh, PiFi, one Chris and I have talked about. Planet Watch, I'm not a fan, but I know a lot of you know what it is and you know have, have looked into it. And uh, you could consider Hive Mapper one. That's a project sure. I'm currently participating in. So there's a lot in the space. And GeoNet is um, another one that's getting a lot of talk recently. So mm-hmm. definitely. So, and then you have maybe uh, decentralized VPNs, right? So, Mysterium, Deeper. Not a fan of Deeper. There's the Boring Protocol, um, Orchard, and a litany of other ones. PKT. Uh, demo someone mentioned in the comments another another one uh and for all you who are just showing up welcome to the chat we're going to talk about uh lessons learned in crypto it's it's really just going to be we're going to talk about what we like about crypto what we've learned over the years we have travis t here super knowledgeable gentleman in the tech world um but yeah i like tippins a lot now there's also Web3, right? So we've talked about concepts of Web3 in a separate, um, a separate stream, Chris and I. So you have that one identity, the autonomous identity that you're in charge of. You're no longer letting uh, Apple or Google manage that identity to buy services. You also have autonomy over your funds and your wallet. You have maybe NFTs for verification or proof of ownership or something. And then it's getting away from this centralized model where it's the same companies that are hosting the same infrastructure, trying to bring back, um, well, trying to offload that to people who want to host that infrastructure, for people who want to stand up tip-ins or host that service in exchange for earnings, right? Another part that is not so talked about, but the tracking and data harvesting that's done currently on Web 2, something that we're hoping to make a push to go away in Web 3. Because you are the product in Web 2. I mean, you you are what, what is being sold in Web 2. Yeah. That's why your Gmail is free, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> um, yeah. I think what we're really seeing here, Joe, is... Especially, and I'm talking from the perspective of the Helium network uh, now, mm-hmm. but uh, this network, this LoRaWAN network has been built up that is that is global and is usable by anyone. It doesn't matter if you're setting up gateways or not. You can use this network for a very low um, you know, data credit fee. And um, this is something that we're starting to see companies really build upon this. And so it's not just, you know, are you part of Helium? But are, Helium is just the infrastructure that you're building off of. And mm-hmm. so we're seeing these great ideas that are kind of springing to life that are built on top of what's been going on for the past three years, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's important to look at at this point as we see 
you know, it doesn't pay as much or pay as much, whatever, to roll out new gateways, especially in urban areas. Um, you know, mo- most of the growth and, and the H&T, you know, earnings are, are through, you know, kind of more rural areas. And so um, these companies that are building on top of this established helium network uh, using LoRaWAN and now, you know, other protocols that uh, they're building into is, is really critical and important to look at. So. Yeah, and I think one of the greatest feats of Helium was kicking down that door of crowd-hosted infrastructure, bringing it to the forefront of the crypto space, saying, we have a new model in the business arena that works for the people. This is how you implement it. And for for whatever people want to say about Helium, they were one of the first to, to do this, especially at that massive scale. Yeah. So, you know, there were going, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be a lot of lessons learned that come from it. But it's the important part is that they've opened the door and it's never going back. The toothpaste is out of the tube. And helium and, of course, you, Travis, you had a massive part in that. It's it, what they did for the crypto space was it brought us years into the future. Now, yeah, and I think it, it opened up a lot of folks' minds to what can be done here. And um, unfortunately, and I've got to bring this up, in Australia, um, there's been some conflict as far as, you know, frequencies are concerned. You know you know all about this, Joe. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a, a lot of folks over there are looking at other networks to, uh, to move to. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's an important topic of conversation that uh, should be discussed out in the open. And um, I, I, I know I, I had, I'm involved in a lot of conversations kind of back on Discord, but it would like I'd like to see that out in the open here, you know. I see, see a comment here. Um, New England Crypto, are we playing? What's Joe going to smash tonight? And that that's in reference to... Um, <laughs> To a helium competitor known as MXC, which is a massive Ponzi, in my opinion. Now, one of the things I, I think um, we should talk about, Travis, and like I said, if we get too crazy, yeah. if, if I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want to be negative here. I want to. I definitely want. We're going on lessons learned, right? Yeah. And I don't know why people are calling me during live stream. They should know better. Um, <laughs> the, what I wanted, what I do want to discuss, I actually wanted to make a video about this. And the mania that was induced in helium, I believe because it was like the perfect storm of events that happened there. Yeah. And including I, the pandemic, honestly. I mean, I've got to I've got to throw that in there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I talk about the price and. Yeah, all the events that took place during that time for that price to happen. Now, this is something that you like pay attention to now because we know what the factors are that you're going to look for in other projects. But I'll uh, go through the list fairly quickly here. The first one is the Bitcoin halving, which typically kicks off that bull run, that bull cycle. And, um, that's where you see an insane spike in prices across the board with crypto. And it's the, the all altcoins, everything other than Bitcoin follows the trend of Bitcoin. 
but the the multiples of it like whether it's going to be a 10x or a 40x is come down to a lot of the variables that happen with that specific cryptocurrency its potential use and this yeah. is where i'm going to get into all the factors why we've seen i calculated earlier i think it was like a 45x gain over that year to the all-time high with helium which was and, up there i mean which was yeah yeah i mean i'm not so, saying numbers but everyone's seen it yeah mm -hmm. um, and um just just to go through like the the reasons why now i do believe that um a lot of these are just these reasons i'm going to give aside from the bitcoin happening in the bull market when they happen unto themselves when you're not inside a bull market they're really like micro trends right there's a small bump in price but there's nothing significant but in my opinion and of course not financial advice and i'm not an accountant who has done uh, all the numbers in an excel sheet so i'm generalizing here but i think those micro trends really become more of a more of a multiplier they become a, a bigger factor in that price spike because there's there's a lot of um speculation during a bull cycle and those are reasons people get in and bring that pressure yeah the first reason i would say is the use case of helium it's in a multi-billion dollar soon to be trillion dollar economy iot so people that's, that's what people keep saying yeah they look for the utility this is yeah. a viable project because it has a use case that is understood that already has products on the market but doesn't yeah. have that contiguous network i i could pretty much turn this on in any major city in the u.s at least you know almost around the world and it's going to work regardless of if i have deployed my own gateways or whatnot you know I, I can set up a free console and have my data uh, being fed through on the Helium network for next to nothing as far as data credits are concerned. That never existed in the U.S. Like large public LoRaWAN networks just were not here. Um, and, and now they're, they're, it's almost ubiquitous, which is pretty amazing, man. Um, I, I think that is the main thing that happened with Helium. I think that, yes, a lot of people got in early and they were making, uh, they were earning a lot of HT. And that kind of went, um, you know, a little a little public, a little, a little social. People started talking about it and people started realizing you couldn't get miners. I mm -hmm. mean, miners would be six months out to, to even pull one in. And, um, and I think the the rarity of those or, or the fact that the people weren't able to get them made people want them more yes and you bring me to another one of my points because of that demand people said okay i can't buy the equipment but i think this token is going to go it's going to do a moonshot so i'm going to buy that more further pressure on the uh, upward pressure on this the price on the exchanges because of that yeah. Then you also have um, the major listings on the exchanges. Those major listings caused more people to be able to access that token. It was it's really a coin because it has this native blockchain, and and um, you know it 
it has its native blockchain. That's what you mine, mine for, right? But it calls itself HNT, Helium Network Token. But it will be a token when they move to Solana, right? Well, so, I mean, it was it was L1, um, you know, network, right, on, on the chain. But it wasn't traded on, on many exchanges at all. Um, in fact, in Texas, you couldn't exchange it until Gate.io finally opened up. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, you know, screw the U.S. Um, uh, talk to us privately and maybe you can get your, your tokens back or whatever. But um, <laughs> I, I don't mean to be slanderous there. I'm, I'm not meaning to. I'm just saying that's kind of what happened. They said that, yes, we will be starting up at gate.us. And that will, um, you know, support New York State, Texas, you know, a lot of the states that were not supported by any of, you know, Binance, uh, US, you know, any of the other major exchanges. And, um, you know, so being down here in Texas, you couldn't really sell it, you know? So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah um, that, that's unfortunate. But regardless, because it became in, uh, listed on the exchanges, more upwards pressure on, on that price. Uh, you also have a large amount of de- data credit expenditure because of assertion of gateways. Now, you, look, people can make the argument about data and data credits, whatever. Look, the point is that, I mean, even if you're on uh, the Visa network, when you have those, the point of sale devices installed, it still costs you to get them installed, right, in the system. So anyways, because you assert a gateway, and it cost that data credit that was spent into the system. HNT had to be burned. But now, Travis, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there is what's called the HNT equilibrium. Some people say the flywheel. Okay. But how much data credit spent does have an effect on what the Oracle determines the HNT price is. A couple of notes here. Um, yeah, okay, yes, as far as onboarding, um, you know, plays a lot or played a large part um, in this, but a lot of that was kind of um, absorbed into the manufacture of the, mm-hmm. of the units. And so it, it wasn't end users that were, you know, uh, paying to onboard at that point. That was that was part of the, the hotspot price, right? Yeah. Um, what we're seeing now, and a, a, a number that I believe that uh, either Nova or Helium Foundation just released was uh, the largest. Um, really the largest OUI um, right now is actually another network roaming over the Helium network. And which is amazing when you're talking about that's where these data credits are are coming from or, you know, where where these are rolling through the network Mm -hmm. is from other networks using what we have built to push the data through. And that's badass. That is awesome. Uh, That's excellent. The, The point I'm just getting at here is because there was a significant amount of HNT burnt and data credits spent into the system that did have an impact on the price. So we're just going down the list of what impacted the price here. Okay, and um, and, and who was burning those? I mean, it, it would be the manufacturers because they were the ones paying for the assertions. Okay, correct. Am I am I mistaking anything here? No, I, I believe in almost all cases, manufacturers did um, did. You know, cover the assertions, um, you know, mm-hmm. or at least, you know, the initial assertion and then maybe one or two, initially two uh, with with the Helium OG hotspots, you know, you had two geo assertions. And then, you know, uh, further down the line, I guess uh, one geo assertion was typically included um, from the manufacturers. Yeah. Real quick, New England Crypto, I appreciate the super chat. 
Better internet fun for Chris. We need bandwidth. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> so, um, just continuing on here with uh, the factors involved in that in that price pump. Validators coming online. So okay. it's, you stake ten thousand HNT on a validator. I believe it was about mid-May that the validator rolled out. Sorry, that was a high point. I mean, for HNT, so it was about a hundred grand if you want to talk USD um, to roll out a validator at that point. I think you know. I mean. It wasn't cheap. I don't know. Yeah, um, and that caused liquidity lockup. That and when people stake, can you explain that when you say lockup? You mean th- there was a there was a cooldown time? You mm-hmm. know, if I wanted to pull out, and you know, it would, which was what five six months at the time. Y- yes, I believe so. Okay. So, when when you stake, you take a portion of funds, portion of the tokens, put it on a typically a network device right in this case it was a helium validator and it's locked up while you have that device online and you continue to earn um then there's a cooldown period if you want to take that out of the if you want to take the validator offline and get that those tokens out you have to wait a certain amount of blocks which is i I believe said five to six months at the time that sounds accurate but uh, one of the points I'm getting at here is the price spike. So people taking that token off the exchanges, they're taking it out of their wallets and locking it up in the validators, that caused more pressure on the exchanges, resulting in a higher price as well. Um, let me just clarify one thing while we're on, on this point. Uh, during the cooldown time, you also do not earn during during that time. I'd, I'd just like to make that clear. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as pressure, I don't think it was necessarily just having to do with that. I think there was a lot of speculation. I think speculation was was enormous around that time, especially. Um, and I think it was. I think at the time, helium was getting more um, visibility in a lot of, um, I guess, more normal markets, and mm-hmm. a, a lot of more player, a, a lot of old players were coming into to the crypto scene and uh, dumping money on it. So, um, I, I, I feel that had a had a had a huge uh, bearing as well. Crypto Craig, I appreciate the super chat post birthday beer fund. Of course, I don't drink beer, but thank you. So, Travis, you already beat me to the next point, which was the speculation. And I and you know, let me know your opinion. But around the Open Five G CBRS push, there was a lot of interest because of that. And because of the news around it, yeah. What's your question? That's it. What What do you think? Oh, okay. Do you believe a uh, lot of that interest came from the CBRS push? Well, there was um, an article, and I guess a partnership announced um, around a time around that spike, which which I feel had a lot of bearing. Um, but I mean, as far as speculation is concerned, who knows? I mean, I, I can't I can't speculate on that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that when you have a large media, you know, uh, boom into a lot of markets that you might necessarily, they may not have heard of about, about helium, about, about what's going on with, uh, you know, with the network, how large the network has grown. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, that's got to have some bearing. Um, I think that when you have articles coming out of large publications and get it, getting it in front of the eyes of a lot of investors that may not have known what the hell this whole fucking crypto 
crypto thing is, you know? Don't um, worry, you can swear. I'll guess. I do it. I mean, I mean it, I, it changes things, you know? And is yeah. that going to change speculation by people who follow, you know, these these other investors who are now just kind of getting involved with it? Yeah. And you're going to see movement there. So, um, but shoot, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it, it seems reasonable to me that that would occur. Yeah, so these, these are the factors. Just quick recap of what we just covered. Um, once again, the trend, all altcoins follow Bitcoin, right? Most, most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have some then, inverted followings, right? But but yeah, yeah okay. and, and the, the the factor, the multiple that they follow it by does have independent variables there. So you're not always going to see the one for one following in that trend, right? Um, but anyways, Bitcoin happening, breaking into that bull cycle. Then you have number two, use case, utility. It has a real world use case. Yeah. Uh, number three. Oh, one we didn't talk about. The happening. Okay. August yeah. Of 2021, there was a happening of HNT. Significantly less tokens dumped into the the overall public through earnings. That had been planned since the white paper. I mean, it, yeah. it had been known, maybe not publicized as, as well as maybe it should have been for people, newcomers who were investing into the network. Mm -hmm. um, maybe people didn't really understand what happening was. They didn't realize how this worked. Um, mm -hmm. But it was public and it was, you and know, it happens available. on every network. It happens on every crypto. Yeah. But the point is, it brings more, less supply, more, and I guess similar demand. I mean, it's going to be more in demand because there's less available. So that was, I believe, one of the factors in this price spike. You and have, it was voted on. I mean, all, all of these yeah. things are voted on. I'm not like, saying anything bad about no, it. No, no, no. I just want to explain to anyone listening to this that, you know, these go through hips or, you know, a process that are voted on and then, you know, proposed and go through. Um, and so it is, you know, people driven on on uh, how we want this network to perform. So uh, I, I just had yeah. to throw that in there. It's appreciated. Um, data credit expenditure. Yeah. So the burning of HT, the whether it be data being spent on the network or data credit spent for the purchase of data to use the network or assertion of hotspots, it still has some impact on the price there. You have sure. the validators coming online. So what are we at here? We're at number five. Validators coming online. Liquidity lockup. The, okay. That confidence in the network that comes because of staking. That's a generalized crypto thing. People look at crypto say, all right, there's a lot of staking going on on the network. You know, we're, we believe that signifies confidence in the network. There was lack of avail availability of devices because of the chip shortage, because of supply chain issues. So but that's across the board. Buy. That's across yeah. the industry. You know, oh, yeah. That, that's something we've seen from cars to, to gateways. It's yeah. still a six-month lead time to get any Cisco switch or router for me. So well, there's yeah. something going on. And we, we saw a couple of, um, you know, like HIP-19 manufacturers kind of buck up, man. Um Pardon my language, but yeah, they, they kind yeah. of dipped out and uh, we're not really um, 
I don't know. They didn't treat their clients as well as a lot of people think they should have. Uh, I'm not naming names. I'm, you know, everyone knows who I'm talking about. You know, if 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 you've been watching this stuff, so. Um, then, um, I'm just gonna get through this list yeah, real yeah. quick, and then we'll talk about what you want to talk about. Go so, ahead. so validators, liquidity, right? Lack of um, availability, reason is reason number six. So people bought the token rather than buying the hardware because it was hard to get the hardware. Number seven, centralized exchange listings. More people were able to buy in, leading leading to a price pump. And eight, the speculation, not only because it's a real world case, but because you have more products and because like Travis mentioned, you have a news cycle that's covering it. You have word of mouth spreading. So the reason I, I wanna bring this up is because these are all things to look for in a crypto project, lessons learned. With Helium, it just all converged within the same year, which was very exciting, but I believe that there is good and bad to that. And and I think a lot of people didn't understand all those factors involved. They maybe, they hadn't read up, they did not understand the mania behind it, and they feel like they missed out on a good experience so there's a lot of fun that comes from that. But lesson learned. And this is what we look for in projects. These type of events, these type of ha- happenings. You look like you have something to say, Travis. Um, typically, but uh, <laughs> no, um, I, I would like to comment and just say I'm not trying to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, we did something called the Alpha Program, which allowed you to have cloud-based miners, right? And that was a, a very short, you know, short-lived program. It was something that was an invite only. It wasn't open to everyone. It wasn't where, you know, we wanted to test this with everyone in the community. And I mean, I was getting death threats. People were mad when that got shut down and uh, coming by my house and stuff. And um, I mean, just everyone understand that this crypto, it is, it does at some point come down to real money and like rent Mm -hmm. money and come down. And so, we we do have to be very careful and respectful of, of how we treat this. You know, it's not it's it's not a video game. It's not a. Um, you understand? It's it's something that it's real people uh, and real people's lives who are involved here. And so we we do need to be um, very careful and critical with that um, how we handle it. Six one nine OTA says every f bomb you got to <laughs> give away a censor. What kind do you want, man? Shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis, would you like to take this one? And we, we've talked about this. I've talked about it a lot on the channel, but Travis has a desk full of sensors and he is a professional in this industry. So I will let him take this question. Crypto Crag writes, Network Bits, what are some of the more popular real world use cases for Helium Network? I have not seen really any mention of those, at least that I can remember. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd love to take that. Uh, thanks, Joe. Um, agriculture is something I, I grew up in Texas, uh, up in the panhandle. And uh, I grew up like painting fences, stringing barbed wire, you know, working longhorns. And uh, what you can do with agricultural um, sensors on the helium network is, is fantastic. Uh, Seed has a number of them. This one I showed just a moment ago. He's an awesome company. Uh, Seed is amazing. And they, they are they are so, so, you know, looking forward to, to working with anyone who has a project idea. They have something called uh, Fusion. That allows you to print PCBs, you know, through their through their service. Um, like one of these devices, this is a data logger, and this is a a, a Modbus 
uh, sensor that's plugged in, and there's just uh, screw down terminals inside here. So I can use four to twenty milliamp. I can use Modbus. I can use zero to five uh, volts. I, I can use. I can pretty much plug in any sensor, like normal quote sensor that I could find on the market, into this and bring it onto helium for under seventy bucks USD. That's cool as hell. Um, uh, and just, just uh, yes, Seed did send me this, but I also work with Seed pretty extensively. I, I work with uh, One Planet Education Network, um, or, or Open. If you go to oneplaneteducation.com, um, we, you know, we're pushing down through Kenya, you know, uh, Congo, Australia. I mean, all, all sorts of countries, uh, France, um, you know, to get the Helium Network into a, a position where they can all compare this new agricultural system uh, for uh, regenerative ag um, against, you know, each other's farms and, and plots. And it, it's a cool, we have a student, um, you know, uh, education aspect of it where we have a Moodle system set up where you can, we're working heavily with Rack Wireless and we have videos on the system where it shows you, there's a, um, there's a kit which is based around the, the WizBlock uh, which we've built up. Uh, it's very similar to the, the Helium Developer Kit, but it's based more around environmental sensing. And, uh, you know, we have this set up uh, via Open and all these videos to teach kids how to how to go through this, do it. And then you can have a farmer use his mobile phone and flash it onto, you know, some device in the field, like firmware that these kids have written, right? Uh, which is cool as hell, man. So it's really bringing together... I mean, we're working with ministries of agriculture, education. And Let me know if you want to advertise that um, group as well. And yeah. I'll post a link to it. Just send me it. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. But man. one thing I do want to piggyback onto what you were saying. So LoRaWAN is a standardized protocol that has seen wide adoption in the Internet of Things space. And it's been around for over a decade. Oh. So there's certainly a use case here this, this is not something that is like novel in the sense of technology the only thing that has changed here is now helium has a ubiquitous and contiguous network so unlike if you're working with like say an internet service provider that has that offers LoRaWAN as a package you're no longer um stuck to a specific geographical location in the vast majority of cases now I always, people always say, you know, who, who cares about this type of technology? I disagree. But once again, Travis, I'm going to let you take that one because okay. you worked in LoRaWAN before you had, before you came aboard Helium. Yeah. And, and what's huge, and I'm, I'm going back to Australia a bit here, but um, a lot of countries in Africa do not have an ISM band, you know, uh, you know set aside. And so they don't have uh, LoRaWAN um, regions, right? And so you've got countries where they don't know what the up. And so what one one um, thing that we're really pushing right now is to get a standardized both um, both for countries that do not have this established and for disaster and recovery operations where you default to a particular region and just say, okay, you know, for this, this is what you use until it goes through the Laura Alliance and actually gets established and you, you, you figure it out with your regulators, right? But um, up until that point, this would allow, you know, manufacturers of sensors to say, okay, all these countries are opened up until they figure out, what, you know, what's going on there. And I think that's huge. Um, I, I think that 
it will help, you know, hopefully free us from a lot of what we've seen happen in Australia, where with the with the frequency change and, you know, going to 923 and with the subband change, um, you know, just to say, hey, if you don't know what you're doing yet as a country, um, you know, we're dealing with with ministries uh, of ag, of ed, um, you know, et cetera, in order to say, if you don't know what's up, use this. And, and until you do, and then go through the alliance, and then um, you know we'll figure things out. But it makes sense to use um, EUA six eight for most of these countries in, in Africa right now. That's um, a, a lot of countries t- tend to look at who's next door and what they're using. And um, I, I think if that process is used a little more, uh, it's going to work out well. Um, but now I, I want to add on that point. You made a living off of working on LoRaWAN networks prior to this. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I'm just trying to tell people like, it's not like this is some wacko protocol that came out of nowhere that no. someone's expecting to use because there's crypto. This Department of Homeland Security actually, um, you know, I, I was doing projects for for them down here at the Port of Houston and uh, doing like disaster recovery uh, using LoRaWAN. So yeah, it's, it's a real thing, and it, and. I was involved with it. I, I was looking at some of my, my dates on some of this, on some of these projects. And I mean, we're talking, you know, 17, 18. I, I mean, so so years back, um, you know, way before I got involved and before Helium was actually using LoRaWAN. So, um, yeah, it's legitimate. So, um, yeah, New England Crypto, thanks for being here. You guys in the comments, I appreciate um, all the writing that, that you're doing. Now, I, I love everything that Travis has to add here. Um, we're So we have a generalized crypto audience as well. So we'll try to go back and forth between uh, the, the different topics at hand. But I'm curious to know, uh, Travis, and let me know if you, if you need a minute to think on this. What was your biggest lesson learned in crypto in general or lessons learned? Just entering in, and I, I assume you didn't really have a lot of experience in the crypto space beforehand, but you're still a very technical guy, so you're able to pick it up very fast. You do programming, right? You work with computers. You work with radios. Yeah, um, I, I think one of the largest things that really hit um, close to home, and I, I'm sure a lot of folks on this call know him, like Nick or Gristle King, um, Mm-hmm. Lo- lost some okay. crypto and he was very public about it when that happened and i mean that hit kind of close to home you know just talking talking with him and knowing that he's like yeah i, I screwed up i you know i should have known this i should and that that's something that i i saw that happen so many times being an admin on the um on the helium you know discord people would hit me up because i kept my i kept my dms open man and <laughs> um I'd be hit up with someone and they're like, hey, someone just stole. And I'm like, I'm very sorry. And that I hated that more than anything else in the world is having to tell someone I can't fix this. The whole system is designed so that can it's not fixed. That's working. You know, um, you know, the problem is keys were leaked and mm-hmm. keys own wallets and wallets own hotspots. And so you don't own those anymore. And I hated, hated, hated to tell people that. I mean, it it, it hurt, man. You know. Mm-hmm. But that's because the system works, and that's that's how that's how the you can't beat math. You know, 
You can't argue yeah. against math. And, well, uh, well, let me add to that. Many of you here in this audience know about DJ Minds, another big YouTuber. He's been doing this for years, but he got hacked. It wasn't necessarily his fault. And he lost a large sum of money in it. And that's actually when I ran that poll, if we want to talk about security or lessons learned, etc., that's what I was going to get into is a lot of the best practices for people so they can understand better how to protect themselves and set things up, um, which I will make a video about that in the future for sure. But that's a great point. And, you know, I there are so many sophisticated scams out scams out there and targeting their sophisticated targets amongst people who you know, know their own crypto. Oh, oh no, but they'll hit your parents up. They'll hit your sister up. They'll hit, I mean, they will do like, you know, scams against everyone related to you um, if they're trying to get at you. Because honestly, that's the best way to get at me. I hate to say it. Yeah. But, um, it sucks. It really does. Yeah. So that is something I will talk more about later on, later on. Um, in another video and uh, Chris tell us about what you've learned one of the biggest lessons or what you'd like to add <clears throat> sorry we're taking it away so I, I've I've been uh, scammed a couple times on projects that have just not been sustainable uh, Time Wonderland was a, a big case where I pretty much got into the project right when it was at its peak and it started to go down and uh, it I lost about a thousand dollars, which is a lot for me. Um, and I, you know, from that point forward, I ask myself when I'm looking into a project and a lot of them offer some sort of return, um, whether it's a token or interest, whatever it may be. I don't know if I'm cutting out at all. Um, no, you're good. I'm, is my connection good? All right. Yep. Um, so the question, the question I always look at now when I look at a project is, is is it sustainable and what we've been talking about recently is what project or what problem does it solve because i've seen um you can take a lot of the examples that's happened with the ftx bankruptcy and the fallouts that have happened block five fell for bankruptcy they had a very high apy in comparison to traditional bank accounts and you have to ask yourself is it sustainable there was a point in time um i want to say in January of last year, where I was looking at taking out a loan possibly through my bank account and then putting it onto BlockFi because I would have actually earned a higher return than the interest rate that I was getting from my traditional bank account. So it's just, I'm glad I didn't do that because obviously it wasn't sustainable. And that's a big issue a lot of people have to ask yourself. And this is like a, a, a traditional thing that I think most people have been taught is if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. So you just have to keep in mind and there's some leeway in the crypto space because things a lot of times are a lot better than uh, they would be in a traditional, the traditional world that we see. Um, but there's still going to be situations where it's going to be too good to be true and it's not going to be sustainable. That's what I've found. Very true. And I agree. Now, I'll give you my biggest lesson learned and something that I did struggle with prior to the YouTube channel, especially when I was in the military first learning all this stuff was re relating to the average person, but also like my technical understanding is typically better than most people. So you're, so I lacked patience with 
people's understanding. And when I came, and it's it's always kind of been like this, I've learned to loosen up and, and lighten up after some of my employers said, come on, you have to you have to chill a little bit here. This is a service we provide because these people don't understand. But coming into this and starting a YouTube channel and having a face out in the public explaining hard to understand technologies where I get tons of questions and I have people who they like this, they want to participate, they want to understand the system, but they don't necessarily have the background that I do. And they don't necessarily understand what's being laid down through, by the developers, by the community members. And I got to understand like their point of view, got to see how people see things differently and what influences their opinions, their thoughts. And that has been eye-opening to me and something that I stress here. And I try to make it like, I try to hit this one home with a lot of people, especially engineers, because there's a lot of engineers who are very technically savvy and they're correct about their statements. They are logically correct about their factual statements. However, they fail to understand the way that the average person sees it. Yeah. And I think this is where one of the biggest disconnects with Helium was, was getting that, you know, explaining to people who are not following this at the same speed, who are not dedicating the same amount of time, who don't have that background, they still want to participate. And that's really been my goal here with the YouTube channel. Yeah. No, no, that it, that says it so well. Um, and a couple of responses on this, at least personally. Um, Real quick, one yeah, second. Yeah, We're yeah, going yeah. to bring Patrick Gian in, and you may continue. Patrick, thanks for being with us here. Howdy, howdy. Hey. Um, I, I, I just wanted to respond and say that, um, you know, running the YouTube like you're doing and whatnot and, and helping people, you know, get up to speed, at, at least on, on, on my part, it – I learned so much by doing that, you know, by talking with folks who um, aren't necessarily on the engineering side of things, because uh, on the engineering side of things, you can get too close. And if you're too close to something, you you don't see it right. You, you don't see the same picture that um, that a lot of you know people coming into into the ecosystem see. And uh, and so I, th- I think it's absolutely uh, beneficial, both, you know, Joe, for you and for everyone watching your shows. Um, you know, to 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 interact and to mm-hmm. come to a point where you know, hopefully, everyone does at least get um, you know a, a, an initial understanding of kind of what you know how things go in and out, how things work. Yeah. yeah. And and for me, it's been you know, I guess therapeutic in a sense of you know helping to understand people because this is something that I love doing, and I, I've never related to people emotionally before. And I'll save you my life sob story. The point is. I've not always been personable my whole life. I mean, you guys know my personality. I'm a little bit crass. I I am a little bit vulgar, but I've failed to understand because I I really look at things logically. And that's not always the cut and dry case when you're dealing with people. And you have to come to terms with that if you want to be successful, certainly in the public eye. So you're saying you're sandpaper. Yeah, you could say you, that. You can change your grit. <laughs> you can change your grit, man. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, no idea what you guys are talking about. But talking I guess about I heard that. Uh, learn in crypto. Go uh, ahead. Heard what? I thought, 
Uh, I just thought you were saying that engineers have no soft skills. Some of them. I mean, look, <laughs> I've worked with some engineers who they put together a fantastic technical ma- manual and they can explain all the ins and outs, but making that manual easy enough to follow for the regular person and trying to understand what the regular person is going to take away from that and trying to catch where they're going to maybe fail in that setup, that's something that maybe they missed because they know it inside and out and they don't know exactly what they're missing. They don't understand they already have that that context behind it when maybe someone else doesn't. That can be hard for engineers, man. And I think there's there's a whole skill set of of you know jobs, you know, for people to basically you know kind of go between engineers and and people who aren't dealing with it that closely. Um, and I think those people are, are extremely extremely valuable to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I a lot of engineers, and I, I know you probably read a lot of reports about. Um, about you know levels of OCD uh, among engineers or different um, you know I guess people on the spectrum, and if you work in the in the field you see it. I mean every everyone sees it. everyone knows that, um, and maybe those aren't the best people to you know be doing you know the. I, I hope you yeah I get what you're saying yeah, yeah. no it's certainly and sometimes I, I, one of the go to phrases I you know when you're trying to change someone's mind about something. I've learned you just can't come out hot immediately and say, no, you're wrong. Look, you have to help them understand and be tactful about it. And, and help yourself more. understand as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's every every situation like that, it seems to me, is always a two-way street, man. And it's it, both people are wrong, but they're both right. You know, you know we don't want yeah. them to crash. You know, but, how, you know, how do we? Yeah. Sometimes I give them a compliment. I'm like, look, you don't understand how smart you are. Because these people are smart, they're intelligent, they are very particular and precise. But if you're trying to explain this to other people, hey, we got to dumb it down. You are outstanding in your presentation, but the other people don't realize that. I just say, you're so good looking. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, how smart are really if they can't communicate their thoughts? It can be you know, tough. I mean, intelligence is not just remembering yeah. something from a book or doing a piece of math. Wisdom, so is, is where that's where wisdom comes into play, man. Yeah. So I think, I think the culture of education is where this goes wrong. And so for me, I think okay, once the kids get out of high school, you make them leave the country for two years, go to a country that doesn't speak their language, force them to learn it, have them live, have a job. Do things, participate in society, figure out who you are, then go to college. Because then you'll be a more rounded human being once you start to kind of chisel down what it is that you want to do in life. Instead of like, oh, you're 18, go to school. I'm like, they're still a fucking kid. I could say that. that. Good, yeah. I I think we're seeing a huge change in education now, though, Um, especially, you know, with the pandemic where it doesn't necessarily mean go to college or go to university. It means... um, I, I, I think that a lot of uh, new venues are, are and you know, uh, forums are, are available where you can, you know, get a, a quality education without just going to the local college um, or going going to some Ivy League college. And um, I think it's I changing. Think, I'd like yeah. to present something from the audience. Ursa Prime, mm-hmm. one of my dedicated subscribers, brings up an excellent point in 
cryptocurrency lessons learned. The Terra USTC stablecoin depegging was a painful lesson for me. I assumed that all stablecoins were safe. After that, I took the do your own research phrase more seriously. And I believe the point to be made here is that, and, and look, I know people who are intelligent and who've been in crypto for a while and they lost quite a bit. I don't fault anyone for that situation. But the point to be made here is that we're working with code and we're working with also, we're working with organizations who have a lot of out there ideas. Some of them, you know, maybe, maybe something potentially novel like a stable coin that is not necessarily backed by dollars or so they say, but an algorithmic stable coin. So code may fail. There may be a cryptocurrency project that overnight, whether it gets hacked because of an issue in the blockchain, how it was coded because of the infrastructure, maybe a smart contract doesn't work with the token. There is always that chance that it goes to zero. So not financial advice, but I personally think I would diversify in as much as possible. Thought. So how do you fend against that? I mean, by by all of this being open or open source to the community uh, where it can be evaluated? Um, like I wouldn't necessarily say that. I like the idea of open source because you can have other – well, you can always have other parties audit it, whether it's open source or not, but you can have the public audit it. And it's – I think it – if – all of the code is known and there's possible exploitations it gets exploited sooner than ra rather than later because it's much more easy to pick out but it's also more easy for a white hat to say here's what's wrong with your code all right give me my bug bounty what do you think travis i know you have something here i want to hear it um no no, no. well I don't really have anything lined up but i i would say that i think that um a lot of times you don't see people just lining up to work on your GitHub repos. Um, a, a lot sure, of that is still true. done by the company and the people who are doing exploits aren't sharing that on, you know, um, out of your source, right? And they find an exploit and and then they, they start hitting it. They start hitting it. And so you, you've got to have a whole another tool set in order to identify uh, when, you know, when gaming, you know, happens like this. Um, do you have, you know, white hats that, that step in and say, hey, uh, this should not be done this way? Yes, you do. And do you have PRs coming through GitHub all the time? Yes, you do. And, um, you know, is the community a vital part of, uh, you know, of these projects? Of course. And uh, I, I think if, if anything, a lot of times there may not be enough folks internally that, you know, are able to process a lot of these PRs or, or and, you know, validate them and make sure that that's what needs to be uh, pulled into the code base. So, um, excellent points. Uh, can I say with Terra, they collapsed because they were over leveraged, right? They, they had, uh, it was, I forget like the percentage, but it was like they had one one dollar for every 100 that was leveraged out or something something absolutely absurd so it was like the code isn't the part that failed it was the organization's actions that caused them to not be not have what it takes and it's the same thing that just happened with ftx is they 
the organization was the ones that were at fault. The code didn't do anything. The code functioned. Well, the code created a Ponzi scheme. It functioned to a nefarious end. (laughs) It functioned the way that that it was meant to function. Yes. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) All right. We're going to continue on with uh, the points here. Like I said, in the audience, if you have any lessons learned in crypto over 2022 or even the years prior to that, go ahead. Let us know. Hmm. I have a lot. I've, I've actually thought out this content. So there's plenty that I can uh, that I can pull from. Now, one of them that I, I do want to bring up is with this crowdsource model. If you want to call them tip-ins, token incentivized public infrastructure networks, mining, etc., it's very hard to get everyone on the same page and to do things the right way, even when there's high stakes involved. And I'll give a small example, I'll give a large example, and then you guys give me your opinions. So with hotspots, there were plenty of hotspots that other cryptocurrency miners got in gpu and asic guys who they do have a technical background but do they necessarily understand the rf portion of helium not so much they left it somewhere in the middle of their house or maybe they put it in a window but they didn't really understand it and even like getting them to get to that point was a struggle although they're a cryptocurrency miner now one of the things that i'll say and Travis, correct me if I'm wrong, of course, when we've seen the validators go online and then we've seen the move from regular hotspots to light hotspots, there were some issues in the first days getting people to open up the ports. And, you know, there's not there's not really a line of communication directly to everyone who owns a validator. They don't sign up for an emailing list. There's no... They do have notifications through Discord for they can subscribe to validator um, information on Discord. So, but the point I'm getting at is many of them dropped the ball and that hurt the network for a little while there. And even even those who are responsible in their administration of validators, just because they are doesn't necessarily mean they will that hardware. I'm just saying this in general. I'm not, I like using Helium as an example because we know a lot about it. But this is for all networks. Sure. It doesn't necessarily, even if everyone's doing everything right, there may be technical issues behind the scenes that might not work out, but or it could be an administration thing. But the point is, there's a drawback to this crowdsourced model, and it's that not everyone is going to do things the way that they should do. They're not always going to abide by best practices. They're not always going to have the best interest of the network. And other people may suffer because of that. And we see that in other networks as well. This is not the only one. Um, thoughts? You need to have a way to kick those out, to recognize and kick out um, outliers, you mm-hmm. know, who are not participating. I've seen so many people, um, The fo- for example, um, and I got to call, call them out by name because, uh, you know, I, kn- I know that I've seen them up at four o'clock in the morning so many times, but the folks over at StakeJoy, uh, which their API is used by a number of other services, um, you know, in, in lieu of the the Helium API, and they're on top of the ball. And I, I've seen them, you know, do four o'clock in the morning work every time it needs to be done. And um, 
So many people are, yes, you know, straight up on the ball on this. And the outliers need to be identified and uh, be publicly kind of exposed, I guess, and just said, hey, these people are not um, are not playing ball the way that this needs to happen in order for the community um, to function properly. And I think that needs to be public. It needs to be done. So that's my two cents. So, Yeah. And, um, you know, and when it when it comes to crowdsourced infrastructure, there is going to be a lot of this comes from the mining community. People are here to turn a profit. And if you know they find it to be too much of a hassle, if they find it to uh, they just think it's no longer worth it, there's a chance that a part of that network is going to go offline. Now, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's flaw, if it's helium and your your device is using their hotspot for connectivity, or maybe it's flux and your load is hosted on their server or their device. That's just a reality of this. I think so, the drop dead point is when it crosses the electricity cost, um, where it honestly costs more to run it than it's, yeah. Excellent point. That is certainly true. We that saw that in Europe um, this past year, um, in, in in certain areas. So, and l- let me let me continue off of that. Another lesson learned: there are going to be events that take place in other major cryptocurrencies, or maybe minor ones, but major ones that ha- have an effect on the market overall, a massive effect in some cases. And the example that comes to mind when you mention electricity. It was uh, GPU mining where when they went, when Ethereum went to proof of stake, there was so much hash power that went on to the other GPU mining networks. They were too competitive and basically not profitable anymore. And we actually seen, I believe it was Ergo, where you seen this massive spike in hash power come on and then drop off and it made block time so long that they were struggling. I don't think they got to the next epoch, which is where the difficulty would be adjusted. So those block times would shorten up and adjust for all the hash power that they lost when a bunch of people just brought their brought their rigs offline. So there are going to be black swan events, but like events that come in from other spaces in the cryptocurrency and affect your project. Sure. And, you know, economy events in general yeah like what we've seen with ftx what we've seen with terra what we've seen with what was the other one in the beginning of the year chris we talked about celsius celsius yes Mm. and this is something you have to think about prior to uh getting in i mean assess your risks yes yeah and uh, an- another thing I, I want to add, and, you know, I-, I see a lot of people who started businesses around mining and, and not just helium, but we've seen so much with helium. Um, they really, they dumped so much money in and they a lot of them had great spots to put them. Uh, they had a lot of good ideas. And as it became no longer profitable, it they, they no were, longer as profitable. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Yeah, I, I got to throw that Thanks in. Good correction. Um, but yes, it no longer is profitable. It became really, they, they may have not broken even on their equipment, or they might just be left with a device that they can't use and 
maybe don't want to sell, um, well, I shouldn't say can't use, they're just not using, they don't have places to put it. So plan accordingly. And this goes across the board. Same thing with um, with um, Hive Mapper. Okay. You know, when, when people are buying 20 devices at once and, and thinking about setting up this massive fleet <laughs> of, of Hive Mapper devices, you have to think, is it always going to be profitable enough for you to have that overhead and have to manage it and then you have and to have to manage it. That's huge, man. Yeah. Manage the taxes that because you're paying out to other people. You have yeah. to deal with people being unreliable and how they're going <laughs> to administer the device in some cases. You have to think about um, all the factors that can go wrong. Equipment getting lost, stolen. Stolen. The, yeah. The it happens. Day, yeah. Look, those those um, people that are hosting for you they might not be happy with the outcome and you could lose friends. It's a real thing. You can sour relationships over money when it comes to this kind of stuff. Question for a poll. I mean, just a general poll on your call here, Joe. Out of how many miners you have in the field, how many are online? You want to do the poll of the audience? Honest question, man. um, so what, me, what network? I mean, I, I was thinking helium, but I, I mean, just whatever network you're, you're um, involved in. Huh. For miners on the helium network right now, oh. it would be. So I I have three that took a crap out of 14 regular hotspots. But I also have probably another three that are offline because hosts have turned them off or because I, I haven't collected them yet. Or SD card um, issues, maybe. I mean, I mean, there's uh, a there's a number of issues mm-hmm. that things may be offline. You know, I, so. I believe I have at least seven online right now. Okay. Um, and there I get about one point three HNT every day, so I have a couple good, really good setups. I'm yeah. still out in the suburbs. So okay. Still, okay. But um, as far as uh, other miners, I have some other things that are going right now. Threefold. I do this thing with the. Hive Mapper dash cam. Gotcha. Um, there's something else I do, but I forget get exactly what it was. Matchex. I don't do that anymore. Matchex was stupid. That was that was a project I thought, and we we can talk about them because there are a lot of lessons that came from that project. So that's a project I thought had a a lot of potential, even though it seemed odd in a lot of ways. They just there's really no development and everything about it screams of ponzi in my opinion um pocket change xd thanks for being here if you want to get your husband chump to call in and share with us some of his lessons learned he's more than welcome to but do you want i i don't know how much you want to talk about match x travis but i'm down for whatever man old video dunking on them and how many things were wrong with that project? And I actually just posted another video on it with 30 seconds because we were on a live stream. Um, actually, real quick, I want to do your poll, Travis. Okay. How many videos, I mean, how many miners do you still have online? I'll set up a poll with the audience. Okay. I, I was just curious, you know. Um, 
because I know with the with H and T, you know, earnings, you know, dropping, you know, this past year, um, you know, a lot of folks. Yeah, I know that one's down, but you, I you just want to do H and T, or do you want to do G, GPU rigs as well? Because whatever you're involved in, it's it's you know, I, I I know mainly helium because that's what I'm involved in. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just curious across the board really you know people who are still you know in the game but um you know have some rigs that are down uh, let's let's word it a little bit differently how many mine how many miners do you have offline all types of miners so we'll just out of out of percentage. how many you have yeah mm-hmm. i mean it needs to be a percentage yeah Dude, it's tricky to do a poll on this yeah okay uh, uh, would work We'll do. Um, I have. Uh, I have three, but I've been through a bunch of helium miners. Whether it was just like getting them and selling them, just because it was the better option to do at the time, or uh, just like I had a bobcat and I got rid of that because I got sense caps and I liked the sense cap uh, firmware better. Yeah. So yeah. I have uh, three sense caps. I have. Uh, two M2s and then one of the data-only hotspots, and they're all cool. offline right now. Um, so, yeah, I haven't heard anything in the past past uh, 60 days. I just moved, so I had to take everything down. Then I had one at my friend's apartment, and he uh, he doesn't live in that apartment anymore. So it's like um, he, he moved from – I live in Pennsylvania, so he lived at uh, – Westchester area, which is just outside of Philadelphia. Then they moved into Philadelphia. And if I had a hotspot in Philadelphia, it wouldn't really make much yeah. sense because it's so over concentrated. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And all of mine that actually burn are in the middle of nowhere or in what used to be lone wolves, you know? Um, yeah. That's those yeah. are the ones that actually crank H and T. Um, I'll give my numbers. I've got, and some of these are data only understand, but I've got, mm-hmm. 32, 18 down. Wow. All right. Yeah. It's it's going on with all of us. And I mean, I, I've had some that I need to send back, and I still have yet to do it. I'm procrastinating a little bit. Um, or you have better things going on that make more sense to, yeah. you know, concentrate on that. And I get that. Yeah. yeah. So I do have the poll going live. Um we're, we're boats are coming in right now. We have 14 watching 11 boats. Thus far, it's uh, most about 55% say from zero to 25% of their miners are offline. Okay. Um, can't, uh, can't you see on uh, the helium explorer the percentage of hotspots that are up versus not? Uh, yeah, and online? some of those are going to be blacklisted. Um, okay. You have to take that into consideration as well, I think, yeah. when we're talking about these numbers. So, um, so, hey, fellas, sorry, I got to get going. I only had a couple minutes here. Patrick, sorry, it's good seeing you, man. Here, Patrick, I appreciate yep. it. Thanks for letting me just stand around and, uh, hey, and you the can square, the screen stuff. look a little more complete with four squares <laughs> and not three. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we're, you know. Ah, you good. We're all over the place, man. It's good seeing you, I love it. Wish I had some more time, man. Catch you guys later. Thanks Take for being here. See you in the stream. See ya. So... Do you want to talk about gaming of the network at all, Travis? Or? We can. I think it's a e- enormous concern, uh, both. I mean, to all parties involved. You know, mm-hmm. I think it affects everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I've learned from from uh, 
the insight that I got into Helium, but other networks as well. Look at Pollen Mobile. It was even happening on Flux. Anything that can be gained, anything that can be cheated, will be, yeah. even in the most tedious of manner. Yeah. Because even though you get past that little tedious part when it comes to manually doing it, you can automate it. It happens. It will happen to an endless extent. And um, you know, I've never cheated the network. I would not feel good about myself doing that. But I could also not stand here and tell you that um, you know, I'm this great YouTuber. People would find out, and my reputation would be soiled. Right, but right. regardless, I've screwed up in in my past, and I do not want to go down that road again. So I did not cheat it. I've had people message me on email saying, "Hey, how much do I have to pay you to show me how to cheat the network?" Ignore. <laughs> Fuck that. I've cheated the network, and, and it was not intentional. And uh, you know, it was it was yeah. something that we, we we fixed that issue because of it. But it had to do way back in the day where um, it wasn't a one to one DC transfer, and mm-hmm. so you could you could have a virtual device that was running tests against something. And it would just be cranking through, and you would actually be earning off of that that gateway because it wasn't one to one at that point. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Would you uh, like to explain that? Now we're talking about data credits, so it's a very very minute. It's a fraction of a cent, but people did cheat the network in that manner. I want to use this as an example of how for a couple of days, for a couple of days, um, until yeah, it was it was taken care of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, and it made to be a zero sum game. Yes. Yeah, so even where people could find fractions of a cent to exploit. Oh, oh, oh people are, are auto-creating thousands of accounts just to get the free 800 data or whatever data credits on mm-hmm. on console now. So, yeah. It's wild. I mean, if you can automate something, people are going to do it. Oh, yeah. If it's for money, people are going to be doing it, man. So. Mm-hmm. And, um. One of the things you kind of have to understand about the internet space is that not all hacking crimes are prosecuted because so many happen so often, and you really have bots that do it quite often that are just hacking. And they're getting good, through. yeah. And the point the point is, there's not always going to be legal ramifications for these people, so a lot of this can run rampant, especially on crypto networks. Yeah. Lesson learned. Yeah. But the lengths people will go to to game and network yeah. are extraordinary. You know what you see every we- day is someone um, impersonating an admin or impersonating a moderator. Yes. You see that every day. I mean, and- on YouTube, if you go to the YouTube comments of pretty much any YouTuber in the crypto space, there is a response on someone's comment that says, like, DM me on WhatsApp so we can chat more. It's rampant. That's a yeah. huge and what they do, they'll use like a Cyrillic character. They'll change one character in a, in a type in a typeface, right? And so it looks identical to the name. They have the same avatar. They have everything else that looks and they DM you. I had someone DM me as myself one time asking me and I'm like, oh, come on. You got to up your game a little bit here. This, this is ridiculous. But um, but yeah, that's a daily thing. I'm sure on every network out there. So Yeah, and that's why we have blockchain to begin with. Now, look, when it comes to the utility cases, that's a different story because that can be gamed. We're still figuring out in each individual case how to stop that. But blockchain 
itself, Bitcoin, was meant to be resilient against attacks and just be open and transparent as possible while still having that that armor, that hardening against network attacks. Your poll was yeah. answered. Osvaldo, welcome to the stream. Crypto Hunter, welcome to the stream. I didn't see you before. How many miners do you have offline? All types of miners. 40% say between 0 and 20%. 33% say between 71 and 90%. Wow. 20% say between 21 and 50%. 6% say between 51 and 70%. Geek of all trades, welcome to welcome to the chat. That's pretty uh just wild that it's 40% is zero to 20 and then the next closest is 71 to 90%. Yeah. So it's both ends of the the spectrum there. So so that doesn't include people who have completely pulled them off, right? I mean, that's that's I, I don't know. That's wild. Um hmm. Oh. Well, one person messed up on the poll and said it was online. They thought it was online miners. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Bedell. Um, Thank well, again it, for the it's Red still, still kind of wild numbers to, uh, at least from my end, to hear mm-hmm. that. But, uh, yeah. but for, all, for all different reasons, I'm sure. Chris, lessons learned. You got any? I thought we were we already talked about lessons learned uh, with helium or with any crypto. Well, I I think the sustainability thing is one of the things I look at for, uh, first, and just being so aware being uh with all the scams that we've seen in the past it kind of makes you more hyper aware of what to look for and uh specifically i spent a lot of time over the summer looking at smart contracts and how they work and i don't know if you guys know what um not uh what was it uh stable fund it's a massive massive DeFi project and it was, you know, built on, I believe, Binance Smart Chain, just a smart contract, but it had a function to rug and they ran away with millions uh, simply because of just a small, a small thing in the code that people didn't see. They just invested into it because there was uh, other people investing into it. And if it had eight million dollars in it, surely it couldn't be a scam. Right. So that's that's the issue. A lot of people also see is that. Because there's a lot of money in it, uh, it has to be good. There can't be anything wrong with it. You saw that with SafeMoon too. Everyone uh, was buying into SafeMoon and look what happened. They lost their money. Uh, but the, it's kind of this, the fear of missing out that a lot of people get. They want to be a part of something regardless of if they lose money. And it's just, it's unfortunate. It's something that people have to be aware of. And uh, going forward, I mean, you have this issues with, Without cryptocurrency, you have this in the real world. People make mistakes like this all the time. It's just something we have to be more conscious of. Yeah, you're right. And there's a lot of good people in this space. And um, I, I think there's a lot of good communities that have been built up around this. And, you know, I, I, I think that they're, I think that's important. I think it's important to know and be able to trust someone. I, because one thing, Joe, you brought up is, um, like uh, identity and anonymity. Those are two things that, yes, we can get through, through um, you know, a chain, uh, but they're both, I believe, equally important. But, um, ha- I mean, are those mutually excuse- exclusive? Can I be anonymous and prove identity? 
And how, how, how do I do that and, and establish that on chain? Well, you can actually do stuff similar like that uh, with like signing transactions um, on okay. with MetaMask and stuff. So you can choose if you want to share this data, share that data. And I think that's kind of the route that they're going to go on because signing transactions, it doesn't cost anything. It's pretty much uh, you go on a website and they actually have some of these bots in Discord as sort of a verification bot where you'll sign a transaction and it verifies that you are a legitimate person. You're allowed in the Discord server. But I think they have it on OpenSea and a few other really large uh, crypto projects. You're just signing it or you're, you're um, yeah, it's just a, it's like just a, a very bet. small um, amount to sign that. There's no crypto. No, okay. Yeah. As far as I know, there's no transaction that goes through. It's just, uh, you gotcha. know, it's pretty much just like an approve button. Gotcha. Um, because I think anonymity is is something that is about to be huge, especially in South America, especially in uh, you know a, a lot of countries where uh, you know um, monetary systems aren't aren't very stable, um, where it, it's almost impossible to operate uh, financially uh, anonymously, and mm-hmm. I, I, I think we're we're starting to see that uh, blow the hell up right now, and I I think it's critical uh, for the development and and development of a lot of things in in these countries to have that type of utility in place. Um. Yeah. Um, Travis, any other thoughts you want to add as far as lessons learned or whatever you'd like to discuss? I don't know, man. If it, I, I consider all of this stuff, funny money, you know, I mean, if it's not something that you you can you know wash down the toilet or you know throw down the sink, don't go into it thinking that that it's still going to be there tomorrow. Uh, I mean, just yeah. you, you got to be careful. It, it, there's a lot of very volatile things out there right now, even to have a ton of support behind them, you know. And so, if 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 it's not something you can really afford, just to throw out the window. Uh, be fucking careful, man. You know, um, be cautious. You know, think think about think about where that could be and yeah you're not going to make a ton in normal investments at a bank i mean your your interest isn't going to be huge but it'll still be there tomorrow and and i I know i'm probably on the outliers uh to say something like that but but i mean it um be very cautious with what you're what you're playing with nowadays Mm -hmm. no i i agree and i mean we we talked about code failing before but you will see from time to time in this space that there are projects that they never started off with bad intentions but they end up being an unintentional rug pull because developers quit there's issues with leadership um maybe like we've seen one cryptocurrency which was i think kind of funny but kind of sad also they took a vote and someone just wrote an improvement proposal where it's like send all the money to so-and-so's wallet and a bunch of people voted yes. And I'm sure he had some weight on that vote and screwed the entirety of the project. Things happen. There's always, there's still a sense of having to run a cryptocurrency project with best practices as a business, adhere to the legal or lack of legal fr- framework and clarification in a lot of instances and having to have that PR, having to have that name, reputation, and deal with events that related or unrelated 
have impact on the project and the unknown. A lot of this is unknown. It's a very new space. But excellent point, Travis. And I like that. Well, you know, Joe, thank you very much um, for having me on tonight. Um, I, I I appreciate that. Thank you for coming on. I I appreciate it. I, um, we're probably going to go for at least two hours. You're welcome to stay or go whenever you like. Um, okay. I don't want to hold you up. You uh, carry on. I love carry, having carry you on as a guest because you have amazing insight. And a lot of people actually watch a stream after they see you on here. So, <laughs> cool. you know, it's it's uh, great. I sent you something on Discord. Um, let me know. But I'll uh, keep talking a little bit here about, you know, s- some of the things that um, I found. And, you know, I, I, one, of the le- one of the takeaways, one of the lessons here is you find, um, is that a yes? All right. So w- we are going to take call-ins. And I will pin the link in the chat. You're welcome to call in. Um, please keep it civil. We may have a little bit of a debate, but look, don't try to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I don't care if people swear. Just don't be too entirely <laughs> vulgar. Um, other than that, you're welcome to call in with your topic, your lesson learned, whatever you want to ask any of us, you are free to do so. Now, what I was going to say here is... You're going to look at cryptocurrency projects, and there's going to be aspects about them that I don't think are, they're really in the gray area. They're not necessarily black and white. And whether you agree with them or not, there's going to be, you have to weight it. And when I'm looking at a lot of these cryptocurrency projects, one of the things I look at is the staking behind it, and not just validators, not just proof of stake. When you have to stake tokens or coins on a device on the network and if there's penalties behind it the amount that needs to be staked how long it's locked up for the reason behind staking it and i'll give some examples something like a helium validator is an example of why we need to stake tokens right because you want those people to have They don't really get dinged on their HNT if their validator screws up, but you want them to have skin in the game. You want them to be committed, not just to allow their infrastructure to go off and affect the rest of the network. Um, Systems like Ethereum, where you can get slashed if you try to game the network. You can, you know, you you don't make as much if you're a poor validator. That makes sense. There's incentivized, by, so it's the the carrot and the stick. But then you get into other types of staking, which I, I really don't like staking in the vast majority of cases, but I think something like, so the deeper network, I think it's stupid that you have to stake to earn. Now, the reason I say that is because this is not a critical network device. It's not hosting blockchain. It is if, if it goes offline, someone is not, not catastrophically affected by it. If you're doing a decentralized VPN hosting, you're a VPN server for them. If it goes offline, they reconnect to another VPN. That's it. So why do I have to stake my deeper to earn more deeper? It doesn't, there's not a clear reason to it, but other projects do have a good reason for it. 
there's pros and cons. So something like that I look at. But if you look at something, let's say like flux nodes, okay? Similar, you have to stake to earn. If you go offline, you don't get slashed, but you don't earn more. Um, and those, those are just the regular nodes, not the GPU miners for the blockchain, just the regular uh, load hosting, like server or Raspberry Pis or home devices. And it makes sense from a tokenomic standpoint to an extent because when you have to lock up those tokens, there's so many in, there's only so many tokens in circulation, right? So it has a scalability factor to it when it comes to supply and demand and how many nodes will entirely be on that network altogether. And also people who are really dedicated, who believe in the network, rather than just some woohoo that's going to do anything and maybe not maintain their nodes and affect someone who wants to host their, the load on that server. Like if if I have to pay into a server, you'd think, you'd think, now it's now the case for a lot of people as we find out, but they're going to have skin in the game. They're going to want to maintain that node and optimize it. That's one of the reasons for staking. So there will be more Ponzi-ish type of things. I call it Ponzinomics, where with smart contracts, you can manipulate how payouts happen to anyone, how you know staking works, how returns are made, but you can do an artificial pump. And that's what I think happened with MXC. You're... you're incentivized to stake every which way for no reason it doesn't make sense there's, there's really nothing that you're doing that's a critical infrastructure device on the network and if you sell off your tokens that you supposedly mine you're penalized and can no longer work you can no longer reap other benefits so sorry for the tangent things to look for lesson learned uh, I think it's a really good, you know, food for thought, not black and white. It's a gray area up for debate. But let me know your thoughts in the in the comments. Also, call link has been posted. If you'd like to call in and chat with us, you can do so. So I got a question for you, Joe. Uh, yeah. Does Pollen still are they still requiring you to kind of do a drive by on um, all of your own stuff daily? Uh, yes. Um fairly certain that from last time I heard, I don't keep up with them as much as I probably should, but I don't have any of their devices. I actually have a really good location here in um, the Southwest Chicago suburbs. It's a hundred foot building. Like those are my main earners on the network with the helium network. I have two directional antennas. Okay. So I wanted to put a pollen device up there or helium 5g and it never could happen. Look, I'm, I'll admit it on stream. I'm broke. I got baby mamas to pay, so I'm not forking out any more money for hardware. But I've tried to get people to say, hey, look at the spot and be like, yeah, I'll put my equipment there. We'll split it. I offer to do those drive, you know, you know, the mapping. With you, need, you, you need equipment, man? If you if you want, send some. I'll, I'll have it hosted for you. But we do have bandwidth. Okay. Uh, you do have minimal bandwidth there. So... If there's something you want hosted, sure, we'll talk about it. All right, yeah, hit me up uh, offline, man. Cool. Sounds good. Jaden Blader writes, lock supply is important. Can you elaborate? Because I think it's a good point. 
But um, no, back to what I was saying about like uh, pollen, the whole well lack of being able to get hands on that that uh, equipment, and you know that that that's kind of why a lot of these fell through was because of those requirements. And with and, gas prices, I hate to you know say that, that but honestly, um, I think that has some bearing. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, so another lesson learned here, which was very interesting with pollen, and this is what um, Max and Gristle King brought up, was the mapping when it comes to a wireless network. A lot of times, and I think this applies specifically to the networks that have very high costs for the physical infrastructure, you're going to get a disproportionate amount of people who buy mappers but don't buy the physical infrastructure and that's not necessarily good for the network because they're not providing uh providing more coverage they're just trying to earn but it's a crypto community this is something that does happen now up oh, we lost uh we lost travis i think his device um came unconnected because he's still here in chat so he might be um anyway let me message him back i'm sorry about that guys um good um i was actually just looking into like for the future for 2023 i think open gpt is going to be a huge player because uh i was experimenting and you can actually tell it like exactly the parameters that you want to build smart contracts and it will completely build it out for you and uh it's going going to be there's not going to be errors it's going to be written by a machine uh with input or like kind of like just light direction from a human so i think it's going to be like real real uh changing revolutionary technology i think the smart contracts that are going to be coming out like the heavy DeFi projects if they start launching on open gpt they're going to be a lot easier to um analyze a lot easier to to follow and there's less errors so um geek of all trades says you see open a ai chat gpt falling behind a paywall very very soon well honestly that makes total sense if you have a program as good as that why would you give it away for free um especially with the massive uh, onboarding that you already see i think it's a, a perfect storm that they have set up right now as they're going to have this this beautiful technology and it's going to be exposed to the world for free and we've seen this this kind of this tactic happen with a lot of projects and companies before then once then once once they get a massive uh, consumer market, then they'll say, "All right, now we're going to start charging for it," and the people that want mm-hmm. it are going to yeah. stay. And when you when you see people that are using smart contracts and making millions of dollars, they're going to have no issues paying thirty dollars a month. I mean, you could really pump up the price on that, and there's going to be thousands of people that oh, still yeah. pay because they're still making way more than it's worth. I'm glad you guys brought this up because this is a, this is massive. What we know AI can do has reached a tier that I I always thought like going into coding and going into tech would be, um, you know, more sustainable. I don't want to say more sustainable, but you're because it's scalable, it can, 
make you a lot more money than doing like soft skills, like say being a therapist or maybe even being a nurse, you know, like, so you have to think about how now it's possible that all these coders might be out of a job because someone with minimal coding skills, like myself, I'm not the best coder, I can do it, but it's not going to be complete best practices and um, as efficient as it would otherwise, I can throw it into GPT and or some other AI type of device and it 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 works. It ends up like one of our friends, Steve, he's been on the show before. He was on uh, the show two days ago. He's very technical. He wrote a script. I believe it was to pull DNS records and he put it through chat sheet. It's chat GPT he used, correct? Or he used one of the programs. Open, yeah, open GPT. Sorry. What it did? GPT, sorry, no, you were right. It, it shrunk it down to like l- less than a quarter of the size it initially uh, initially was. Travis says chat GPT on open AI. So that it shocked me. It was crazy. And I thought to myself, okay, my job is still somewhat safe because I have to analyze like floor plans. I have to um, do a lot of manual work that AI can't grab. And I have to use best judgments and assumptions where AI wouldn't be able to do that. But who knows? That might not be the case. So in the future... For a lot of for a lot of um, for a lot of different fields, even the technical ones, they're going to go. They're going to have more than enough talent that comes from AI to get rid of the people that that are doing the coding, and then you're going to see that I believe the emerging economy it's going to be a what would you want to call it, um, you know interacting with a human being from day to day is going to be uh, the premium. What, what would you call it? Yeah. I'm, I'm drawing a point here. It's going to be like what you want. You don't want to interact yeah. with devices. You're going to want to go to the store to talk to a cashier. You're going to want to see a therapist because you don't want to talk to AI about your problems. Yeah. So, the human touch, you know, like the human emotions. Yeah. You can't recreate that. It's something so precious and unique. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to say um, with your like with your industry, I'm thinking about with my industry, with accounting, like blockchain quite literally is a ledger and you can track it. And that's accounting technology, accounting terminology, whatever you want to call it. Um when I tell people that I'm an accounting major, all this stuff, they're like, oh, that's a safe degree. You know, they're always going to be needed. But me looking at how the crypto industry is, is just like turning, it's just turning over uh, year over year with this massive growth. I could very easily see accountants uh, and like the need for all this stuff being replaced and uh, kind of like sunsetted. They're still going to be like, uh, you know, I feel like humans at, at a certain point are pretty much only going to be there to review and approve things. And the technology is just going to kind of automate it. And it's, it's a little scary. Um, but like it, 
like you said, uh, it's it's going to be the premium to deal with humans. Travis uh, back. However, I think he may be having a, a small issue with his camera. Travis, you there? Hmm. Right, I'm going to remove him for a short minute. Um, Chris, would you like to hold down the fort or we can play a short commercial? So we, so um, I need to use the washroom. And yeah, Chris, it's up to you, man. Back. He wants to share something, so I'll let him do that. Oh, no, that's the no, camera. That's a, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you, you, go to the, you can go to the, the restroom. I can. You got it. I can take care of this. All right, guys. <laughs> Don't start. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing anything. Um, how is everyone doing on this evening? This is the first day of 2023. Did you guys do anything uh, fest festive for New Year's Eve? Oh, Travis is back. Uh, I'm gonna add him back to the stream. Are you good? Can you hear me? Good. All right. I think he's still figuring a few things out. All right. Cool. 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 Start plugging your affiliate links, Chris. No, 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 no. It's 2023. You have to be... Okay. It's 2023. I have to... Uh, I can't be plugging my affiliate links anymore. You did a face reveal pocket change? When did this happen? Was this today? Or... Oh, I guess that would have been last night. Was that uh, on your channel or Chump Change's channel? Or some live stream? Geek of all trades says that it's scary, but it forces humanity to push past the basics and work harder to be a contributing part of society. Yeah. And I mean, at what point do we just kind of not like accept defeat, but like AI is designed by humans to make our lives easier. And it's not the worst thing that it's coming around. You, you've seen like all the all the Terminator movies and all the movies about robots trying to scare people and saying, oh, this technology is bad. But, it you know, it has a lot of a lot of perks here. Uh, pocket change last night, SNL with Misfit Mining. I'm gonna have to. Is that on YouTube? Uh, well, it's okay. I, I joined the Misfit Mining Discord server very, very late last night. Did you do anything for uh, New Year's, Travis? Oh, yes. I stayed at home and played with computers. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Apologies for dropping out there. I had no uh, problem. Little computer suicide or something over here. So oh, everything's good. I'm getting a uh, blue screen of death right now. Uh, every time I turn on my computer, it's throwing me some watchdog error. And no, I'm going to have to look into that. It's going to be great. <laughs> Everyone's having issues tonight, huh? Yeah. I have to turn on my computer. It blue screens two times and then I can use it. Oh, no. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Are you on Windows? Yeah. Huh. I tried to, I updated it to try and make it like the latest version of windows 11 and it didn't it's not working but oh well i have everything backed up so pocket change did a face reveal i did not hear about that last night apparently I gotta say for backups these things are rad dude these are the um what the t7 shields by samsung it's a two terabyte drive uh, hmm. ssd oh external, wow that is very it's, it's 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 like hardened i mean USB -C? yeah um, yeah, yeah, it's USB-C. Um, they're pretty cheap. On get them on Amazon. It's a T7 Shield. Uh, this is a two terabyte. I've got, I've got a couple of them, and uh, I can dunk them underwater. I can, um, you know, throw them around. 
They're uh, and they're almost as fast as the really fast ones. And not quite. Twos. Um, I mean, they're fast enough, man. They're pretty quick uh, for an external SSD. Yeah, I, I'm in no way associated with them. I just I use them, and I think they're badass. So, man, I've had this Toshiba for like I don't know, maybe seven, seven, ten years because yeah. I I yeah. bought a I dropped my laptop and I've dropped my laptop before. But I dropped it and it had a disc and it, it just it just destroyed it all. I've never had an issue like that with a with a hard drive failing. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, like, guys. I did not pin the link before. That's my fault. But pin now. You're welcome to call in. Pocket change XD writes. Yes, Joe, I trolled Chump. That's her husband wearing a mask at first because people always give him crap when he wore a mask while recording. <laughs> then I took it off after a few minutes. LOL. I only seen a little bit though. Was he wearing a mask to protect his identity or was it a, a COVID thing? Doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I may no, just stick with it, honestly, going yeah. forward. You know, um, I don't blame people who don't want to show their identity. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, if your face is on the internet, they will figure out who you are. And it come is. to your house. Yes, I know. I get those once in a while. All right. <laughs> See ya. Good luck. You, are you giving away any free stuff? Like, am I giving away free stuff? No. Like, if they're if they're stopping by, they might as well bring a gift. Yeah. Although I will say that people have started giving me pistols. There you go. Uh, because they heard people were just dropping by my house, so yeah. people, so like community members are giving me pistols. And I'm like, I'm not going to argue here. That's a very okay. good gift. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good, very nice. Gift. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, I would um, I would be pissed if that happened to me. Well, yeah, I would not. I would not be happy if I was getting that. I mean, I kind of say it now, and occasionally I'll get something. I'll get a, a threat, or I'll get a call, or whatever. But over the alpha program, I would. Yeah, this. this oh, I just, thought you meant giving me pistols. No, stopping oh. by my house was uncalled for. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. Um, it was four in the morning. They're like, "Can you chat?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. What's up?" And they're like, "Come outside." And I'm like, "Um, <laughs> what?" Um, yeah, that's insane, man. Yeah, please deal with it. No, no, I live in Texas. Mm. Yeah, I guess you guys have a little bit different of a thought of, you know, law enforcement there. So, <laughs> need pistol. It wasn't a big deal. It, yeah. it, re- it really wasn't. You know, um, did he actually want to chat, or was he just yeah, there to badger no, you? No, he wanted to chat, but it was four in the morning. I mean, you know, just yes, I was up. I was up and I was working on stuff. So it, it was just a misunderstanding and we write it off to that and, you know, consider it done. But just don't do that to people because it, it's yeah. kind of freaky, especially to their wives or, or significant others, you know, um, kind of freaks them out a little yeah. bit. So speaking of today, I actually met the first person. I, well, I would consider him the first one I've met off of YouTube as Crypto Bedell. He's been on the live stream before. He lives in Illinois. And he uh, took away the server and brought me a case of Red Bull. So once again, I already gave him a shout out, but that was neat. I posted dope, a picture. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I like meeting people from yeah, yeah. Under the know. right circumstances, it's awesome. Yeah, and I think we have um, some great communities going here. You know, it's uh, you know just just you know call before you come. You know, um. <laughs> if uh, if all these like crypto event like Bitcoin in Miami. Or the Bitcoin showcase. If they happened in June, I'd be able to go to every single one of them. But everything happens in May, and that's like f- 
right when finals happen. It's so yeah. difficult. I want to go to these things to meet a whole bunch of people. But looks like it's going to have to wait. Unless oh. there is some summer events. I went to the Helium House in sure. Austin and New York City, and those were both uh, pretty cool events. Um, Austin, actually, not a pretty cool. It was a, it was a really freaking hot event, actually. But um, we were up on the roof uh, for most of that, and it was it was ridiculously hot. But met a lot of good folks that I, yeah, I hadn't met before, you know, from overseas, and they were able to attend the event. So it, it was pretty tight. Hey, how how are the Helium Houses? I hear they throw a pretty good party. Uh, well, there's after parties um, that are pretty cool. Um, you know, some, I guess, sponsored, some just, um, you know, not sponsored. I think there were a lot of people um, purchasing marijuana with H&T up in New York. Nice. So, um, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> nice to see there, that, that, you know, integrated into the econ- the local economy. You right? case, so, really? Yeah. <laughs> with, with crypto at the dispensary? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Just just. People to people, yeah. Like uh, from people, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have anything against marijuana. I think there are some good uses to it. I've experienced the benefits, but I no longer do it. Do it for long enough, it'll make you stupid. Yeah, but you shouldn't throw people in jail for it. Is my, my two cents, man. One hundred. I, I think that it, it's ridiculous to throw people to in, to to imprison someone when they're not a big player in the marijuana game. They just have a quarter on them or something. Yeah, and you're going to throw them in jail for years, take them away from their family. That's Sorry, I don't like to get political on this, no, but, I, but that's something I feel not, pretty strongly about. I don't think about. that's a political issue. Uh, honestly, um, it's kind of ridiculous that it's still... I think it's still categorized as like, what was it? I, um, I don't know. Anyways, we're going to bring in Jules. Jules, cool, thanks for cool, calling cool. in. How you What's doing? Up, hey, guys. Hey. Yeah. Good to see you. You've been joining us a lot lately on these live streams. So, as always, thank you. Any? Do you have anything you want to talk All about, right. Jules? You want to talk about lessons learned? You want to talk about another subject? Ah, uh, no, not really. I, I, I <laughs> I'm not going to bash helium. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, contrary to contrary to what some some people think, I I, I still have a lot of hope for helium, but. Uh, and that's why I've been so outspoken with what's happened here is because of the fact that I want to see it succeed. Yeah, and I think a lot of the folks in Australia, they, they wouldn't be participating, you know, still at this point if, if they didn't give a f- or care about, about you know, the helium and the helium network. So, uh, no, it's, I, I think it's important. I, I think that something has to, has to happen here. I, I think that they're, um, I think with the test bed, you know, a, a lot of good has come out of that. And I, I think we are seeing at least a little bit of a coming together, um, you know, between between Nova and Helium Foundation and, and you know, everyone in Australia. But it, the reason behind that is because the Australian folks are providing data. They're saying, look, this is what fuck is going on and and help us. You know, I mean, what do we do here? How do we move forward? And so. Um, no, I think it's awesome as a community what Australia has been doing or what the Australian, like, Lorawan folks have been doing on this. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I feel the same way. Um, I mean, I'm critical of, of helium from time to time, um, but I'm also supportive, and I try to call it like I, like I see it, like I try to stay as factual as possible and give people the best information. And one of the things I like my difference in opinion 
from most other crypto YouTubers is that I'm not looking at what the mining community is saying or what, you know, the Joe Blow who showed up yesterday into crypto and has a, you know, massive following and all of a sudden wants to talk about LoRaWAN. I look at what the community is doing. Who's using the network? People who are serious in the industry. And you guys are still here. And the Australians all, they are and they have been. I mean, that's been one of the strongest, like, LoRaWAN, uh, mm-hmm. like, like, groups in the world. Um, way before the U.S. had any any LoRaWAN, like, really foundation. Uh, uh, you know, that foundation came through Helium. It didn't come through TTN mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, Australia has had that for, for years now. So, And like I said in the chat earlier, I mean, Helium's, what they've achieved is, is nothing short of amazing. Yeah. Um, the network they've set out, set out is, is fantastic. It's just... Yeah, the yeah. one concern I have is, and in, in talking about lessons learned, is that they don't seem to want to admit when they make a mistake. And that's kind of the first step to learning a lesson. How do you see the foundation like leading things um, as opposed to the alliance? Um, it... Hard to answer. I mean, like, like Scott, with, with the hit hold hit 45 thing, um, when this, this dual plan first sort of blew up, you know, I was, I was impressed to see Scott step, step in and, and, and do something about it and have the, the, the town hall and really hear us out and say, look, yep. And then in that case, they admitted things hadn't been done properly. Let's fix it. But um, there was a second town hall after that that, that, uh, that you held over there, um, you know, following that, right? Uh, there was one prior to when I was involved. So I was involved with one post hip 45 that Scott sort of he, he spoke to a few of us, um, okay. the one-on-one, um, agreed that, you know, there'd been some issues and, and, and agreed to have the town hall. So cool. that was okay. when I got sort of got involved in this whole thing. Um, and look, I, I understand um, at base fairly new in the role, but I'm just kind of missing that kind of leadership of, of stepping up and saying, hey, look, yeah, we have messed up. Let's try and make it right. Um, I don't really think that's happened. And, and Abai, he is new to that particular role, but he has been involved, you know, in in the network for quite some time, you know. And so, sure. um, uh, but but he is new to that role. And um, I, I've hear, you know, I'm hearing a lot of positive things about uh, his involvement in the foundation and how he's kind of gearing things. And so, you know, I, I really want to see the situation worked out. I, I you know, I, I, I know, and I'm from Texas. And I know Australians can be kind of, you know, hard in the head like Texans can, man. I, no, no offense meant there, but uh, but I get it. I get it. And um, and I think there's been animosity on both sides. And I, I just want to see that, you know, kind of, you know, worked out, man, because we all want the, this network is awesome. I mean, we haven't seen a network like this built before and it, it's out there. I don't want to see this destroyed because, you know, some of us are stubborn or, or some people just you know, can't let go of some ideas that they had thrown back in the past. So let's just, let's figure out how we can do this and make it happen, man. I've I've got, you know, I'm involved with a lot of schools over in Australia and I I need this to work, you know? I mean, I I, I need this network to happen and um, and it's working, which is, which is amazing. And it's so cool to see all these schools, like all the data feeds coming through. Um, I love it. And the positive side is that there is an indication that they're going to release this, uh, this fix in the next couple of days, or it's the definite exact date, but I know the uh, embargo finishes in a couple of days, so 
I'm hoping they've got a priority on it and it gets it gets out soon. Um, yeah. And hopefully we can start rebuilding from there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Travis, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? What is your opinion on Wi-Fi Dabo? Um, this is the laser stuff? Yeah. Um, I was on the community call the other day, and um, it looks like they're hiring up. I don't know. Um, uh, for, for local jobs over there, um, it seems like I don't know how close they are to um, actually implementation. Um, and that's my own ignorance. I, 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 I'm not quite sure. But the technology seems pretty rad. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to play with it and see, you know, see where they're at on that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, being able to do especially like line of sight, um, you know, network distribution to kind of far off places is is critical, especially when we talk about like Africa, when we talk about Australia, when we talk about, you know, just in the middle of nowhere places that um, you don't have a lot of elevation differences with. That if I could do point to point and and connect to a network, that that's huge, man. And I may be getting a lot of this wrong, but um, no, um, um, I'm, I'm I don't know it entirely in detail. So I, if you're saying something that might be wrong, I'm not going to know. Okay, um, I'm hugely interested. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I mean, it seems I'm definitely a Wi-Fi guy, but I have not looked into that, which I probably should. Another thing I wanted to ask, since you brought up point to point, have you ever looked into the Althea network? Uh, someone else mentioned this to me recently, it's, uh, I think it's but Althea.network. Um, I mean, uh, no, I, I know nothing about it. Um, all right, you'll have to have to watch one of my videos on it. But there, I here. Let me send you a link on Discord. I think that's actually where I heard about it. Was was from your channel? But, uh, it, yeah, it might have okay. been. Uh, I know um, Amir Halim has mentioned it in Twitter posts before. But yeah, there are. Uh, crypto-based product but basically it's like you bring in internet you resell internet to your yeah. neighbors and the method that you use you can use point-to-point radio shot uh cat six fiber but it's lte based um it, backhaul is what most of this is yeah okay like point-to-point radios it can be doesn't necessarily have to be but let's say that someone in the neighborhood they decide to buy a reseller circuit. They all the traffic from everyone who who buys into this network is going to be encrypted and it's going to be sent over that the uh, handoff from the ISP, but back to a data center where there's n nodes being hosted, and those n nodes take care of the public IP assignments. They take care of NAT. They take care of content filtering and moderating and any legality that comes with it but the essence of it is like this shared model it's um you know crowdsource infrastructure but like you're incentivized to bring your neighbor on board and let's say i get a point-to-point shot to my house if i can provide internet to my neighbor somehow my bandwidth costs are offset by me allowing them to have a link to that and they're doing it in crypto. Now, I've seen this done with routing protocols in other similar ISP type situations where maybe the ISP out in the middle of nowhere sucks and the people have to come up with a solution, but it's done in fiat currency. So it can okay. certainly be done. Now, I've had some I've had some additional thoughts about um, 
you know, what their follow on plans with validators and tokens, because you don't need tokens. You don't necessarily need your own blockchain if you can do the same thing you're doing in fiat. But we'll see. Lloyd Christmas, my favorite troll, asks, why are your cheeks so red? And let me counter that with another question. Why the F weren't you here for the year in review live stream, Lloyd? That was an amazing live stream. Last houses. Sponsored by FTX. <laughs> I couldn't go for it. Yeah. So with that um, that bandwidth sharing, you're effectively getting around the problem of having potentially um, incriminating or, or uh, what's the word? Um, yeah, problematic traffic on your on your link by having the encrypted. If it's all encrypted, then you're not responsible for transit. That's what you're asking. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so it is. They have people who have big routers in a data center, and basically that has an IPsec tunnel to every end device in people's homes. So if you're a transit node, like I I provide a Cat5 link to a neighbor, and they use my connection, I'm not responsible for that. I can't see what's going over that. You don't want to see. You don't want to see what's going over it. Yeah. And if they violate the law... That is taken care of by that node that unencrypts it, provides a public IP address. Provides so why IP. does why does another node unencrypt it and they don't unencrypt it? Can they run another layer of, of encryption on top of this? Well, yeah, you can do just a regular uh, you can do a regular um, SSL VPN if you wanted to or okay. another IPsec VPN through it. But the, the whole point is the people who have a lot of experience in the ISP realm are going to take us responsibility and abide by the law and right right but it's our responsibility to say um how can we tell our dirtiest secrets in private over a network that like as as you know our mm-hmm. our roles in this industry and what we do is we have to build the infrastructure that allows us to have complete end-to-end privacy and no one else, no one else can can violate that in between me and and my partner or me and me, right? Mm-hmm. That's critical. I, I agree. I, I like that thought process, but just explain the way the system works. You know? No, no, I got you. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, interesting, and that's kind of like you know we we're saying earlier on. Helium opened the doors to a lot of these tip and networks that would be considered one of them. There's more people interested in this kind of infrastructure because of. The, the massive success that Helium had in standing up a crowdsourced network. Now, this is the thing, another um, lesson learned with this type of model, the crowdsourced model, and I'll, I'm always open to input, but I believe that, you know, like harder you rise, harder you fall is very potentially possible because when it comes to something like Althea, where it's going to take a lot of research, a lot of funding up front, or maybe another um, project like Pollen or even Helium 5G, you'd think people are going to put more understanding and more commitment into the project itself and their infrastructure and their involvement because they're spending that money, because they're spending that time, as opposed to maybe something really simple like a hotspot where they don't have as much skin in the game. So I think the FUD that is spread by people who have that type of commitment because they have that type of time and money investment 
is a lot. There's it, it doesn't exist in the mass that it would otherwise with a project that has a lower bar of entry. Any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I don't do business with anyone who doesn't know who Philip Zimmerman is and what he was doing in the early nineties with PGP. And, and, and doesn't really understand. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good privacy. Um, and what, what Zimmerman was doing, um, and then GPG, I guess, you know, um, uh, looking forward there, but, but yes, privacy is critical to everything we're doing here. And, and if you could not have secrets, if you could not have anonymity, if you could not have proof of identity as well, like I was talking about, uh, these are all critical aspects of this infrastructure that we're building. And if someone doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about, I, I, I just say, it's nice to meet you, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I like that type of mindset. And um, I'll add, I all the conspiracies that we laugh about you know, government spying all the things we you know joke about it's just that bad it is true we know it we've seen well not only what's going on in the twitter files edward snowden knocked the freaking hinges off the door and um wikileaks uh, i'm drawing a blank on his name um who runs who ran wikileaks he's on the assange. run julian assange yes I mean, it's all been exposed. It's all out there for you to see in plain sight. And we see what's in the terms of services in these technologies. Is Web3 going to change that? Do people even care enough to... I think it's the science that's going to change that. And I think that it's... Uh, because I always say you don't argue with math. I mean, math's solid, man. You know? It, it, as far as we know, math is solid. But... um, um. It's a hard, it's a hard battle to fight, you know. I, yeah, I think this is going to play out more uh, politically and more um, in in the public spaces than it is, um, you know, in the math spaces. Mm-hmm. So, until we hit, you know, singularity, and then we're all fucked. So, <laughs> definitely going to find a, um, you know, a way around all these data breaches that are constantly being being done, um, and the secure yeah. uh, IDs and that kind of stuff. But um, I can also see the balance. In, you don't want to allow bad actors to be able to communicate and, and organize without any Here, sort of... Here's the thing about data breach. But they have to. Everyone has the right to secrets. I mean, you cannot say that some bad actors or some people cannot tell secrets and other people can. It, it yeah. just it violates everything about, sec- about what secrets are. I mean, everyone... It, it comes down to math. We, we can't mm-hmm. say that I can backdoor them because I think that their skin color is wrong or, or I, no, their exactly. idealism is wrong. Yeah. You know, I can't backdoor them because of that. Everyone has a right to secrets and and that has to be universal. Mm-hmm. What, it, one thing I will say, since you brought up data breaches, Jules, there is, I think there's always going to be data breaches. My biggest concern with them is how much freaking data these, these companies take when we sign up for their services and then they get breached and we get screwed because of them. Absolutely. Now data breaches are going to happen. Data is worth, it's worth money. It's sold. It's going to be sold on the dark web and tumbled into the tumbleweed of everyone's data that you just, people go to Google takeout 
and go to Google Takeout and okay. download your whole don't profile. Don't give any man. bad ideas to bad people on here. I don't know what you're going to say, but if it if sorry, Travis, I don't know. No, no, don't be sorry, but that's that's something everyone should be aware of, what Google holds on them. Google Takeout yeah, will okay. give you every piece of information that Google holds in all of their services and allow you to download in, like, in encrypted, or in, like, you are correct. stuff files. I'll, I'll add on to that. Go download your, your Facebook history. You're going to find every phone call at every time and every text message, not the text maybe, but the people you texted at any time in the history of it because yeah. it's linked to your account uh, uh, your accounts on your phone and they have that data it is outrageous one of the big things for um web3 though is is the whole identity um you know method, methods of proving identity without having to relive to release your driver's license your passport etc cetera, etc cetera, to all these companies that uh, have yep. in some cases very poor security and, and we've seen some big ones in australia recently where yeah, millions of people have had their, their data released. Yeah. Yep. Is anyone playing with these? They've been making kind of a global splash oh, recently. What are they? Uh, it's a flipper smoke. zero. It's a, a little pen test device. Um, can you explain what it does for the audience? Uh, for the audience, it can um, clone like RFID, it can uh, NFC, um, IR, it can uh, open gates, um, you know, pop the, you know, the, the gas cap on Teslas. It can um, allow you to clone um, entry entry devices. Um, and it's, uh, they've been getting, they kind of get held up on U.S. Customs. I think 10,000 units did. And uh, people were like, yeah, I don't know if I trust those after they get held up for, you know, a month or so, you know. Um, but there's different firmware. Uh, you, you can program for them. Uh, they have extensions. Uh, they have GPIO on the top there. So nice. you can break out and uh, really hack around on them. This is a, sorry, not safe for work maybe, but this is a different firmware oh, yeah. running on it. But um, um these are getting extremely popular right now and kind of breaking pen testing into a lot of the popular media. And um, I think that's important that, that people understand um, that, yeah, um, you're not nearly as safe electronically as you think you are. Um, uh, I, you're, you're, yes, correct. And I want to make a whole, so I, I have a good amount of information that I've already put together, especially when it comes related to crypto and people staying safe. But like, I want to do some cybersecurity stuff on here. But the problem is I have um, a, a crazy, look, someone who is in my past that thinks I am obsessed with them. And when you work with computers, I know people are going to think you're behind every tree and every I corner. I know, I know. Down in their soup, they're going to see your face. And when they screw up online, you're going to get blamed for it. Especially if you teach it or, or if you talk yeah. about it or yeah. if you if you bring people together to discuss it, then, yeah. I mean, you've got a bullseye right here, man. And yeah. um, now I, I, I've been exposed to the same stuff. It sucks, mm -hmm. but it's it's reality. I understand that. Um, fuck it. Teach anyway. You know, talk about it anyway. Mm -hmm. That's the only way to go forward. Um, you yeah. just, just say, look, I'm trying to educate you on how mm -hmm. to you know, how to protect yourself, okay? That, that, that's what yeah. we're doing here. What um, I try to do is avoid giving the deliberate, the script kitty type of tools away. Just because you can prove a point doesn't mean you should. 
but they're going to be used against people. And so they yeah, should be cognizant to, of what's going on. I try I not to give bad people ideas. I promise you. I promise anyone that I educate and, 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 and teach with, you know, or, or work with that I'm not going to hack you. And you don't mm. hack me. That's the deal. All right. Handshake deal. You know, um, unless it's in a controlled environment. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, we're here for education and we're, we're here to, um, you know, educate everyone on how this works, because this is in play. Th- this goes on every day, all day, every day, everywhere you can imagine. I mean, mm. you don't don't plug a cable that you don't recognize into your phone and your computer. And I mean, because you, you'll get your ass on. And oh, yeah. And, You'd, you'd I, be surprised. I, look, yeah, yeah, look on Hack Five. Hack Five is a really good. Yeah. The OMG uh, cables. I mean, yeah. Um, and then another really good YouTube channel I like is Aaron Jones. You'll have to look up Aaron Jones Security, but he is awesome. But um, Travis, maybe you're the person who know would know this. Something I wanted to uh, start doing because I stay in a lot of hotel rooms. What device would you use to like sniff out hidden cameras? Do you would you know one off the top of your head? Yeah, I'd use like a like a firmware modified, um, like just a uh, I, SDR, like a Hack RF. Um, I, you can use those for for camera detection. Uh, they, I, I, they work pretty well, honestly. But um, on your notebook, uh, get GNU Radio set up, and mm-hmm. you know get some good modules set up, and where you can go from the Hack RF in through the uh, GNU Radio workflow, and that, that's the way to do that. I, I can I can send some stuff over for you, man. All right, yeah, I'll uh, I'll let you know. We'll talk about it. Cool, well, we got a comment from Lloyd Christmas. Uh, today I read a piece on CNN that Joe Biden signed the Omnius bill, which included a ban on TikTok on federal employee devices. Let my ass off. Imagine having to legislate that. And, yes, I hate CNN, too. But that is some progress. I mean, you think it's common sense. And another and another thing that I don't like, and I understand that Huawei is competitive and it's it, they're good products, but they rip off our patents and they have backdoors that, and we know that they're a, a player, a known state actor for the Chinese Communist Party. Why do we have to, why, I just don't understand what these telecom companies are thinking other than about themselves. Telecom or every company? Every company. I mean, where does Apple make its stuff? Where does, I mean, I mean, it, it's, I mean, you, you don't put things over into Shenzhen to expect your IP to be respected. Because everyone knows it's not going to be. And I mean, in a lot of cases, you're going to have night runs, you know, running what you're building over there at, at the same time, like simultaneously. So everyone who does that knows that. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. Stop doing it if, if you don't want that to happen. I mean, and then don't make any of your deadlines. Don't make any of your go to market dates. I mean, uh, just be better is what I say. Just just be better. Um, and that may be PR, that may be customer service, that may be any other aspect besides, you know, the actual product. Be better. And, yeah. And get there from that. But, but I don't know. I don't know the answer. That's my two cents. I, I seem to kick off a, a discussion here. Um, Pocket Change XD says, dude, cameras are one of my biggest fears and I can see why. And they, they are one of mine, too. I have kids. I don't want them being recorded. You can jam them. You can. J- that's illegal. And you and everyone needs to get your your radio license. I'll, I'll say that right here, man. I it's, wish they would ha- they have classes that teenagers, high school and stuff would teach safety on the internet. 
Hey, yeah, Travis, that, that scares the shit one. out of me. We might have to do a safety course. Bobby, well, for right, parents as well. In. For parents, like, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with kids that I want to allow them to have access to this huge wealth of information, but I don't want them seeing like DP and like or weird stuff, you know, um, that may not be age appropriate. Yeah, Chad Dawson, Bobby from the Helium Discord. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the comments. Uh, you asked about the future of helium and 5G and Wi-Fi. We talked about that earlier. If anyone wants to take take uh, the question, but I don't think, you know, th- there's a lot of speculation. There's no definitive answers here, and you really don't know what's going to happen. The fu- And he asked about the future of Hive Mapper, which you're going to get a video from me tomorrow. Cool. Um, if I could chime in on the whole teenager uh, pocket yes. change says a teenager should be taught this stuff. Like my age group, I've noticed a lot of the kids do not care about any of their information. And I've seen so many of them get scammed. Uh, I know a girl that just lost like a thousand dollars because she fell to the classic like Wells Fargo email scam. Um, and their their accounts get hacked on Instagram all the time. Can you explain that? And they're Wells like, oh, Fargo scam? What is oh yeah, this is what? this is a. a a well-known um, issue, and there are um, there's two YouTubers in particular that I've been watching where they actually call the scam call centers and they go through it. But basically, you'll get a phone call or an email, and it is somebody, usually um, in India is where they found where a lot of these scam call centers are from. They're calling and they're saying that there has been some sort of issue on your account and that you need to work through it there's there's a whole bunch of different uh ways that they can go about basically saying that they need your um information to assist with your account because there's some sort of compromise and the compromise is you you giving them yeah exactly so you hang up immediately and then you call well i personally will hang up immediately and call the bank and make sure that they called me Exactly. Any phone number can be spoofed. Let, let me tell you a little yes. story about what I used to do when I was 12 years old. And my <laughs> parents got divorced. Well, it's probably more when I was 15 years old. But they argued for years afterwards, and they both had some drug and alcohol issues. So, you know, when when my when I was tired of hearing my mom's crap, I would just spoof a text message, make it look from my, like it was from my dad. All I would say is, "Hey," and it looked it came exactly from his number. What the fuck does your dad want now? They start arguing. Then my dad's calling me, what? What, is she drunk again? But I did it because I thought it was funny. (laughs) But you do, I mean, at the bank I worked at, we got robocalls all the time from different numbers. They spoof numbers, making it look like it's a legit, it's coming from ComEd. You need to pay your bill. That goes to regular people, right? Beyond that, man. From another, it looks like it's coming from another bank to us. Go ahead, yeah. Travis. No, they'll see what uh, area codes you accept calls from, and they will start, and you will get to start, you know, sp- uh, spoof calls from those area codes because there's a larger percent chance that you pick those up. It's um, it, it's ridiculous, man. Um, but yes, it's every everyone. If you want to see, that's the thing, Joe. Um, I believe in people knowing how to do this. I believe. Mm-hmm. In, in the educational aspect of STEM, of, of saying, hey, do you want to know how to spoof this? I will teach you. But then, like just like you say, people think that you're the guy, you're the bad guy when something happens. And you're like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I've thought about making <laughs> these courses private 
And I'm not going to tell anyone how to do anything illegal. Not going to tell anyone how to do, like, even get close to nefarious things. Other than if you want to start, download Linux. Here's the resources. Have fun learning. That's it. But the thing is, Joe, what what gets me is I've had some friends, you know, from high school and stuff, and their kids got popped uh, for computer crimes. And they come to me and they're like, what do I do? You know, what what do I do? You know? I'm like, well, the problem is lack of education. The the problem is these kids are just doing what we used to do when we were young, you know, and kind of running out and just figuring things out and not having anyone to talk to, man. You know, yeah, and I think that we have a responsibility, honestly, to the community, um, you know, of these kids to say, hey, you can talk to me. I don't, I don't care what the fuck you're doing, man. You can talk to me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to the cops. I'm not going. You know, just, you know, let's chat, man. You know, yeah. And I think that's important for for these kids to have um, that that back that you know backstop or what whatever you know. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility, and it's too easy to abuse. Um, and unfortunately, there are just so many people who are not aware to how rampant this is, how easy it is to be tricked when you don't have yeah. the suspicion and paranoia, as well as the understanding of the technology and how people really are. Look, one of the things, and I'll, I always say this, I like to believe that people are good, that we live in a mostly good society, and I still do, but like, what I learned, what I what we described earlier with the gaming of the system, it really, it really opened my eyes to how people are when they can get away with things. That is, it's unfortunate, but it's reality. It's, yeah, there's some cheap bags out there. No, there's no uh, comfort in the truth. Let's just not fuck up the kids, man. I agree. That's the only way you can have a better future. And I'll tell you what. I really do believe in the future of crypto. Um, I believe it will change things. Not the way everyone says that it is right now. Like they say, future is, uh, sorry, technology is overestimated, short-term, underestimated, long-term. I forget who the quote's by. Yeah, overestimated, short-term, underestimated, long-term, the impacts. Um, I do believe that the influence that we have in the space collectively needs to, we need to use responsible and, and we need to push for education and better usage or the better path of these different projects to take. And that's why I'm on this kick about web three and security and privacy and other, th- other things. But I mean, I, this is what I think I do best in life because it's my career path, but it's like, I have kids. I have to be engaged with society and want what's better for the future. I can't just go put my my head in the in the sand and act like an ostrich. Yeah. So, and ten years down the road, it's not going to be me talking to you. It's going to be our generation talking to next generation. And so we need to think that out as well. You know, I mean, it's not it's not all these micro conversations going on, but it's it's about what we're doing as a collective right now in in the space. And, and how that plays out um, cross generationally. So yeah, I, I so Travis, what's your um, view on on regulation for crypto? Um, everyone in my family is a CPA, um, except for my except for me. Um, kind of a black sheep as far as that goes. But um, I, I kind of went the computer route. Um, but um, 
as far as regulation, when we're talking about federal regulation, like um, on on a national level, um, which we're seeing, you know, creep in heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, Or if we're talking about, um, you know, international exchange of, I mean, I mean, or if we're talking about um, complete anonymity on crypto. Um, I, I think there's a lot of aspects that, that can be can be discussed here. I think that, I mean, there are countries where um, anonymity is the number one issue. You know, is I, I I need to be able to 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 deal with some type of monetary system without my name being tied to it. And and this and in a lot of countries, this is life or death. I mean, I mean, this is this is critical, critical. Yes. Uh, Yes. that um, that isn't evading taxes. That's not the critical aspect we're talking about. We're talking about getting your ass, you know, hung or, or shot, you know. Um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a, it's a terribly hard um, issue to even define, much less, uh, you know, talk about solutions to like how um, I mean, I, I think the two critical are anonymity and proof of identity. And they both have to exist side by side, um, and they have to exist in a situation where I have no access to a bank, for example. You know, I live in the middle of nowhere. I don't have banking access. I don't have how do how do I have access to um, not necessarily wealth, but funds? You know, how do I store funds? How do I and I do that via crypto? That's that's the only only known way really really out there. For you know, someone in the middle of nowhere, uh, let's say someone in Africa, no no banking, no 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 access really to much computer systems or or um, telecom systems. How do I maintain and build wealth? That's a hard fucking question, man. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I think for crypto to ever be mainstream, there has to be some some level of regulation. For the centralized exchanges, that kind of thing. But I also agree with what you're saying too. Is we need a decentralized indexes to still operate uh, and a decentralized way of, of transmitting money. If I've got family over in you know Ukraine or some some put some parts of China right now where they're being um, being um, punished or or yeah. um, you know, whatever, you know, being able to transfer money without any controls, that kind of thing is is certainly important. And so every government end- hates that. Every government is going to hate that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, the anonymity is, is good, but um, I think for the average Joe who wants to invest and goes to FTX or something like that, there needs to be some, some sort of regulation so that there's a trusted um, a trusted avenue for those who don't want to delve into DEXs and that kind of thing. Sure. But we're talking about an entire across the board financial system here. I mean, we're, and so you, we can't just talk about, you know, these folks or these folks or these folks. We have to say, I mean, we're, this is a re, you know, rebuilding of our financial <laughs> ecosystem. And, and how is that going to, how is that going to be handled? It's, it's not an easy question. Um, I don't know. I agree. They're all all important, and you know, too many people I think have vested interest, whether it be for themselves, for their company, and not necessarily for the betterment of the future that this tech is going to bring. Not for the good of good of all. And I I really hate to 
see that because I think no matter what in this space, if you have a good product or even a average product at this point, you stand to make a lot of money if you play your cards right and you can still be honest by doing it. You're not going to make as much as you would ripping off everyone and, and um, you know, screwing others over. But look, there, you have to... You know, try being a decent human being. Chris, was there something you want to add here? Oh, no. Chad said that the stock market had very little trust and was like the Wild West before the 1920s. And I think that, you know, we can put crypto on the same spectrum. We are at the forefront of a, a brand new technology, as you say with your mm-hmm. uh, the video that we usually play in the beginning of these things. But it's I mean, we really are at the dawn of of something revolutionary so right there's easy. no doubt but i think what's up yeah who is <laughs> who isn't here rest easy writes who the f isn't here for money be real look i'm here for money i will sit here and tell you yes i'm here for money but how do i present my content to you i don't really sell affiliate links i don't try to get you to buy into the idea of making hundreds a day doing nothing i try to be honest with you I'm here to do the research and the hard work and find the next project that is going to be a useful solution and that is going to have that utility that comes with that massive value in the crypto. I'll yeah, tell you and out. Joe, you're not paying any of us to be on here to talk no. about this, man. I mean, he's a bank you. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, secret's out. I guess they have to know. <laughs> but I um, expect that from Chris. Joe pays me friendship. Yeah, but, but it's okay. Awesome, cool. No, we're good. No, but it, it isn't necessarily all about the money. And there's some projects I work with that are they're involved in in crypto that um, uh, have been around for a very long time. And um, go to oneplaneteducation.com and check it out. See what we're doing over there. Um, trust me, the money isn't rolling in, but it's it's one of the most amazing projects I've been involved with in in this mm-hmm. space. So, and, you know, I also want to say something. Um, you see what Gristle King does with his YouTube. He is working his ass off to both do what's good for the helium ecosystem, but still make his fair share of money through consulting. Yeah, you can't fault him for that. It's I mean, not a crime to make money, man. Awesome. It's not a crime to make money. And he doesn't have a, a massive YouTube channel either. It can be done. It, it is it going to be instantaneous overnight? No, but. As you progress and your name gets known and you have more experience, there is a lot of money to be made in here, especially if you want to go down the coding route and program freaking smart contracts or do something like what Travis does. There are endless possibilities and you don't have to be a scumbag while you do it. Right. That's, what I'm, that's just what I'm saying. And I pay my monthlies over to over to Nick over at Gristle King, um, you know, to be part of the crew over there. It's um I, I don't yeah. think I, I think he gives so much to the community that um, it, it's not asking much to say, hey, break me off a little, you know. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's that's not a crime. And that's not a bad thing to say that I, I'd like to get paid for what I do, you know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And hey, look, I give all the information away for free. Yeah, I know not the best, but, not, you know, that's not the best model to, to go by, but. I do believe down the road with the following that I've gained and with the connections that I've made, it's going to pay off dividends to have the trust and support of the community. Look, 
like I said, I don't really have affiliate codes to sell you. The ones I do, it's because I believe in the product, believe in the company. But when that project comes along that I say, this might be the moonshot, this is the idea, I'm going to be telling everyone on YouTube about it. And we're going to run with it. And that, I can't peddle bullshit up until that point. Just otherwise, it, it's not going to matter when the time is right. That's my thoughts. No, I, I think that lands solid, man. And Joe, um, I mean, just a case case in point. I mean, you you've got so many eyeballs right now that have now been on with you for about three hours. You know, just just, just talking about this because they they want to see your face. They want your your input into, into what's going on, Matt. Here, whatever. Um, you know, in, into what's going on, and mm-hmm. uh, that's important. It, it's critical to have that community building and um you know to have trust in that community and to say hey i don't know what the fuck i'm doing but i i i like it when this guy because he he says some good things you know he um mm-hmm. he kind of knows what the hell's going on and you know helps me make uh, good calls for very big decisions in life you know yeah i appreciate that uh-huh. and um you know it's it's a little bit weird for me that i have so many people who know who i am and, uh, and I'm sure it's the same for you. This is an intimate hobby that we're helping people through. They know who we are. They know some of our personality and our quirks and about our life, but we don't know them. And our face is ingrained in their mind for the, for the rest of life, just about. You're doing However, the devil's work, man. You're doing the devil's work. <laughs> no, I'm no, we're good. Um, yeah. Hey, we, we will keep going as long as you guys want. If you're having fun, if you want to call it a night, whatever you like to do. How I, I'm good for anything. I think this is awesome. We have so much good content in this video. And I appreciate your guys' comments in the comment section. I haven't been displaying them today because we, we get a lot of comments now. And I don't like posting them over people's faces because I I don't feel good doing it. It's unproven. Huh? It's unproven in my case, so <laughs> feel free. But um, no, one of the things I was going to say here is, okay, I, I hate I hate the millennial, gen zennial obsession with social media and influencers. I, I absolutely despise it. And occasionally I sign a non-disclosure agreement that says the influencer referring to me because I have a YouTube channel and like I, I kind of laugh at it and say you know I'm, I'm here in spite of that I do believe and I, I try I try not to have a big ego and I try to be down to earth and acknowledge everyone and look I, I get a little um, testy but that's just my personality however I try to be a genuine person on here but do what's best because I know there is influence. I mean, 400, it was like 430,000 viewing hours or something. No, maybe it was 40,000 viewing hours. I have to go look 430,000 views, but there's college professors that would kill to have that. They would kill to have the platform that Travis and Chris have because it's more than the reach they have now. So I do think there's responsibility in what I say here. And I, I, have to hold myself accountable and do what's best for the greater opinions. There is influence and clout that goes along with this. And I know I'm, like I said, a little crass, a little bit. I criticize. I try to only criticize 
at the right moments and do what you know I think is right. And criticizing but, honestly is, is different. You know, I mean, I, I believe. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's not just throwing someone under the bus. If you criticize mm-hmm. someone with, with honest, like, you know, truth, I, I, I think that's that's pure game. I don't know. Um, so, uh, a little change in gears. What are your guys' New Year's resolutions and plans? Who wants to go first? With life, crypto, or like what's, what's whatever? I mean, whatever you want to talk most about. Oof, so much to talk about. <laughs> I have a lot of New Year's resolutions, but like, I mean, I know a big one for a lot of people is to get into the gym, but I've been doing that very consistently. So I don't, I don't nice. really consider that as one of my resolutions. It's just kind of something I'm just going to continue because it's already part of my routine. Um, I'm I'm on the track team at the school that I'm at. And my goal is to go really far, like NCAA's this year, which would be yeah. awesome for me. Nice. And uh, as far as YouTube, I mean, Joe, we've talked about this before. Our our goal is to provide like good content, good reliable content, and 100. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. I I'm already making mistakes. I know I'm going to be making mistakes in the content that I make, but the viewers are always there and they're correcting me. And I I love that. And it's always making me improve. And our content, if you go look at like our first crypto videos compared to now, we've improved so much with how we're talking and how we're getting the point across. And it's just, it's awesome. So I just want to keep going forward with that kind of stuff. I want to keep making uh, more videos, especially since we're in the bear market. It kind of gives us a better view of the projects that are serious and that want things to succeed versus the projects that are just in it for the money because there's not a lot of money going around right now. So if we can, uh, you know, we're going to find some some solid projects as well as just like expanding our horizons and collaborating with more YouTubers. We've already been on a whole bunch of different streams now. We got people in here that, um, you know, like Chump Change and, and Red Panda Mining, like all these guys that I never really thought I would I would have like the same platform where i would actually be speaking to them now they're watching our streams so i think we're doing some pretty cool stuff joe and i uh i think that this this next year and up until the next bull run is happening i think it's going to be really good for our self-growth and channel growth what what you mentioned about that like improvement is probably one of my favorite things like when i see raw talent on youtube right people like play guitar you know i like playing guitar Mm -hmm. um but like seeing them when you see them come out of the box hot, but they're making little mistakes, but they're still killing it. And you get to watch them just progress over time and just really bring it. That, I love it. I love watching other people have that kind of success. Anyways, Jules, 2022, uh, 2023, sorry. Resolutions, plans? Yeah, nothing nothing specific. Just, uh, you know, keep plugging away and, 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 and doing what I can. Travis. Yeah. Um, shoot. I, I uh, am kind of changing gears a little bit, as most of you, I guess, kind of know right now. But um, I want to do more um, hands-on, like, builds on sensors and, um, you know, how to actually, you know, how do you build a $10 sensor that uh, goes on the Helium network? You know, how do, how do we do this cheaply? How do we do this in, um, you know, uh, 
you know, ST micros. How do we how do we do this in cube? How do we how do we do this a different way and get a little more hands on with more of the, um, you know, the bench stuff and just do some live streams on that. Nice. And um, do you have a channel? I've been doing um, a couple of shows with Nick or Gristle King the past couple of weeks uh, uh, called Hackshare, which is kind of like a. I don't know, kind of a kind of a spin off of Helium Hacks Happy Hour, hmm. um, but yeah, we do that on Wednesdays. It should be good. I think uh, Fish is going to be talking this Wednesday on OpenAI, so uh, nice. you, you should definitely tune in. That's, but, that's uh, a paid Bristol King subscription, right? Um, no. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, that I, I think that no, 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 no. This one isn't. No, no. This is just a, a open for all, free for all on Wednesdays. At, okay. Um, at 6 p.m. Central, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, and it, it's not the crew thing, and it's not the network thing. It's just okay. It's just um, something we made up, and it's not on Zoom. It's on um, Jitsi. So, uh, 619 OTA posted a video of the Flipper Zero. If you guys are interested? That's what that link is. Yeah, there's a link too. I I, I send uh, Discord invitations to your server and my server. If anyone wants to join, I know a lot of people have been joining, but I mean, as uh, Travis was pointing out earlier, we have 20 people pretty much this entire stream, which is amazing. Yeah, that's uh, right. Man. And we've been live streaming for the past week, week and a half, um, more days than we haven't. So and we, started we haven't off- really had as many people. So I like, yeah. hey, Travis is a rock star. So I know a lot of people <laughs> like to hear what he says. I know you're, you're trying to be subtle and um, what's the word for it? But I'm going to say it. I'm going to toot your own horn for you. And I like having you on the video. I mean, I think... Well, I love being on here, man. I, I really enjoy you having me on the show. And, and just, um, I know we didn't have anything real structured or I kind of, you know... The, but but I love what we've been discussing tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's uh, it, it's and valid. So. As far as your project, um, if you want to come on, showcase anything. If you want to post an instructional video, I will certainly work with you on that. You, right. can, post, you can post it on the channel. Or I, you know, I run um, commercials for my buddies at the beginning of the live streams to like we have veteran miner. He does cables for uh, ASICs and GPUs. Hey, if you have something like that, I'll run one for you. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Very cool. And if any of your viewers, you know, have any questions about like, um, I don't know, like firmware or kind of, you know, the stuff that I I work in, um, please Mm -hmm. uh, shoot my way or, or do a connect, man. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, of course. You're always welcome. As well, anyone else, you know, if we're close enough, I try to support everyone. Um, hey, just when you're at the top, remember to throw me a few scraps. Hey, shoot. If but, you're ever in Houston, man, hit me up. So, I certainly um, will. Yeah. We'll go fly some drones, dude. Yeah. Oh, that would be excellent. That would be awesome to do. Um, you do a lot of drones? Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. I do a lot of autonomous uh, drone stuff. Um yeah, um, nice. like flying very, very far. Don't tell anyone about that. I, but yeah, yeah, um, a lot of flying very far away drone stuff. Uh, yeah, I just saw uh, someone was flying their drone in Sweden. There's a, like a YouTube documentary looking at all of the bunkers that are in the the mountain system, and it's really cool. You can see like hundreds of bunkers, and it was all accessible by drones. They all look like rock. 
All the rocks open its massive cannons. <laughs> it's so sick. Wow. I'm going to use a washroom real quick, hold down the fort. What I do want to know is what kind of crazy stuff you do, Travis, where you're doing probably RF and drones combined. Do you have any sort of like um, you get, I'm sure, exceptionally high and great. Um, I don't really get that high anymore. Um, that was more uh, youthful things. But um, likewise, you um, know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know I'm joking. Um, no, no, no. I, I, I fly within restrictions, and that's well. We could discuss that. Um, I've got a video. Good luck, Joe. If, uh, if you want to talk about it, I'm going to use the washroom real quick, and I'll be back. If you have something you want me to play, I can try to play it on here. Cool. No, actually, actually, I can't talk about something. I do have a 3DR solo, um, and I have a, I've uh, wired in a breakout board to it which allows you to, I'll post a pic in a bit, but allows you to um, have your I squared C, like all of your main um, interfaces to the, um, the controller on the board, uh, breaking out the bottom of it. Um, so, hmm. yeah, it's neat stuff. Um, I've, I've got a video of, I've got some rodeo videos of drone stuff. Hold on, um, here we go. Let's see. Oh man, 19 people going three hours. You know, I got like Impressive. maybe three three hours of sleep, and uh, it's rough. I'm I'm barely functioning right now. <laughs> All right, this I'm gonna post a link. Um, uh, where do I post this? Uh, can you see the comments? Yeah, no, section? but I, I, I can post it in here. Uh, you guys see that? Private chat? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's uh, what that is. That's using, um, and, and this is very early code. This is a long time ago, but it's using um, some autonomous uh, Python code uh, for control here. Can I, and to do, can to I share do road tracking. The... Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, to do road tracking and, and at the very end, vehicle tracking. So... Um, that's awesome. And if you start it, it should be time queued at one fifty one. Um, yeah. And that's that. This is unlisted, and that's totally. Oh, we probably it probably can't go on a video because that's a copyrighted thing. But uh, oh, I got yeah, it. Just don't muted. turn the volume up. Yeah. All right. Cool. We're good. We're good. <laughs> So can you explain what it's doing again? Right. Yes, um, it should be doing um, uh, road tracking. Or it, now it's just lost. So it's it's looking uh, for a road or um, or a vehicle. So now it's just kind of in in look around and find something mode. Wow! Wow! So this is all automated. It's trying to yeah. It's all autonomous yeah. And then it tries to go play baseball yeah I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I say, this is very early. Right stuff. objects. Um, yeah. I but, bet you could write this in open GPT and you'd be like, oh, yeah, here it is. Yeah. Or <laughs> so it would write it for me. Yeah. yeah. But, what do you but do it, it does get a little better at the end. I will t say that. Um, and actually, one, it follows one of my friend's cars here at the end. Um, nice. That's awesome. But like I say, this is really, really rough, rough code. 
and it doesn't know what it's doing and it gets lost a lot but it it will it will track here in a moment so you're writing this code i wrote it yeah wow nice um i promise it does something here at some point <laughs> uh, come on thing I, you probably spent the same amount of time writing this as it took me to figure out like my first code snippet, which was basically trying to log on to CoinMarketCap, sign me in, and then claim the diamonds that they give out every uh, every day. Oh, nice, <laughs> it took nice. me forever. I, I never got it to work because they added the captcha, and I whatever. See, it turned around here. It, it tried to it tried to track it, and then it turned around and got lost. I'm I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. Um, You're good. Uh, you can see it's trying to, though. It's 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 pretty cool. So, would this be easier to track in the daytime, or is it going off of like light? It's it. This is all vision that it's going off of. Um, wait, it will catch a car here in a moment, I believe. But see, now it found a road and it's trying to follow a road to find a car. It's kind of it's it's um, the way it's looking at things. Um, Okay, now now I feel obliged to to upload like some of the new stuff that actually <laughs> works well. This is kind of embarrassing. I'm sorry, folks. Oh. If you want to, uh, if you're able to send it directly on Discord, right, wait, here we go. Hold on, upload it to. Hey, look, don't be embarrassed. You can do something more. There's more skill and talent that go into this than the majority of people. I mean, it takes a while to do this stuff. It is awesome. Jason, thanks for being here. Take care. But I get it. I mean, we're all perfectionists to a point. Well, this is my friend's car, actually, and it's this is doing live tracking. And then I, it almost hits a tree here in a minute, and so at that point, I do take take over manual control. But um, oh, it's going lower. I see. Well, because it, because it was flying to my house doing the car tracking. And, oh, then wow. it, and then it saw his car, and his car was also going to my house. And so it's trying to land on when it was trying to track. And it, it goes crazy here and tries to track another car. I think it tries to track that one and almost runs into a tree. Uh, I, uh, yeah. So so I, I missed the whole discussion about the, the setup and uh, how it's communicating. Uh, Python. Uh, yeah. Nice. And then probably here from on out is probably manually controlled. So that's that's the video. Yeah. All right. Don't want to expose yeah. your house or anything. Austin says, any comment on my 31 MXC miners? Yes, Chad. I did ask you in a in a oh this is Bobby. What I did ask you in a comment, what possessed you to buy that many? Now I hope that you're able to get your return on investment. I really do. Because I don't know. I, I hope they, they get their crap together and come up with something coherent, but I don't see it happening. I'm sorry. I just don't see it being. Look, maybe that token will take off again in the next bull market and you'll make your money back. I sure hope so. But you've seen my video. You know what I think. And there's just too many shady stuff, too many shady things going on there and not enough development for me to actually believe that. There's substance, there's value, there's anything worthwhile for people, especially to spend that kind of money on a device that well, is not worth that kind of money. 
the good news is is you can sell them on eBay for around a thousand dollars is what they're going for. So you don't have a complete loss, but you know, it's, the thing is, like a um, Bobby, you might so there's going to be a fee that you have to pay for transferring it to someone else. But yes, you can sell them if you're worried about it. And since you've already been mining and they have that whole gas tank penalty kind of crap, if they're still full with MXC, there is a chance that someone might buy it for a little bit more than the retail value that you paid for it. So maybe consider going down that route, but be careful, really work with the people in the discord and make sure you don't get scammed. I mean, uh, uh, Chris, uh, Jules, I'm going to have to run. Uh, Thank you very much, Joe, for having me on the show. I I appreciate it, man. had a great time tonight. Uh, Chris, man, it's it's good to see you. you, Uh, Jules, man, keep on keeping on down there, man. Uh, Always good to see your face. Thanks for coming on. You uh, completed the first video of the year. I mean, you really made made our night. Hey, good deal. I mean, it was awesome. Everyone enjoyed this. We're getting a lot of positive comments. Excited to have you back sometime. And like I said, if you ever want to show off your projects, let me know. We'll do it. I appreciate it. Take care, folks. Take it easy. Adios. See you, Trevor.